So welcome everybody to a very special episode of the RF Generation Collector Cast. We are going to spend a little time in spoiling Bioshock Infinite. So I think we've tried to warn everybody a little bit. And if you've not played it yet, then here's your one and only chance to stop now. But if you haven't, I mean, how old is this game now? I mean, it's pretty... Uh, it came out in March, I think. Yeah, I think yeah, we're so... pretty, hopefully, pretty yeah. safe. Yeah, five months. It came out that long ago. Jeez. I, yeah, I, I yeah. think it was March, yeah. Well, um, I am, as usual, your your host, uh, Duke Togo, and joining me um, are my compatriots. So, um, East Coast, Bill, where are you at? Over here in New England, enjoying the uh, cooler weather after the heat wave. Uh, but yeah, we're back down in like the mid-70s, low 80s, which is just where I like it. We've been like that really, too. It's been like a great summer for them. Pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Most everyone I know wants it to be hotter and i'm i'm really cool with it just like this so yeah it's it's a pretty good over here i've had i've been away a little bit a couple of mini uh, vacations but now uh ready to get back into uh into the swing rock and roll and then um uh, again from the white white reaches what is it like <laughs> six feet of snow up there crabby pretty much yeah still shoveling my roof off <laughs> get ready to open a game store after they come and plow the front right yeah gotta yeah <laughs> uncover it like a tomb so are, are you are you serious because you took a picture like two days ago with no snow oh it, it just snowed after that you know we oh, get the wow. hot days it doesn't stick around very long oh okay no, that's I'm not, I'm not serious. it's been pretty hot here lately uh okay. i don't i don't know what it is in your weird fahrenheit talk but it's it's been around 30 degrees celsius here whoa that is really hot I can't handle it. I'm not used to it. No, I it's wouldn't probably, be able to handle it. Probably warmer that. than here. Yeah, like I come home and I, because I work night shifts, I come home to go to bed, and the rest of my family's like sleeping in the basement mm. because it's too hot upstairs. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not it's not terrible. Like just for those of you who need a conversion, that's that's 86. But I mean, it's compared terrible to... when you're not used to it up here. Right. Either. Compare like when when it's almost always. You said what is it normally, Krabby? Like 18 to 20. That's a nice summer, yeah. Yeah, so that so they like it sixty five, and it's eighty six. So just for all the Americans, the horror. <laughs> <laughs> I might get a tan. Yeah, and then joining us, right? We have a very special guest that is on board for this show. Um, we've got uh, we've got uh, one of our Twitter followers and uh, avid gaming enthusiast. Uh, we're going to go by uh, Mister Gamer Sense. Yes. Hi, how's it going? Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Uh, Gamer Sense, I hail from the area of uh, the great northeast United States, right up there with uh, Wild Bill, just a little bit more west than him in uh, central New York. So we don't get as much snow, but uh, we still like it a little cool. Yeesh, these, these New Englanders, man, Krabby, you're going yeah. to get a hold down the west coast for somebody, right? <laughs> Us with, with our with our Fahrenheit and our soda. Hey, we're soda. We're soda here as well, <laughs> or at least pop. I am. That's funny. Um, so you know what we're gonna do is we're gonna take and kind of pick apart the game because I don't know about you guys, but when I kind of finished playing the game, I just kind of had to sit for a little while and just kind of like, <sighs> and kind I, of just I, wrap I got... my brain around what happened for a minute, right? So so let me let me let me just. Real quick, um, if you've listened to any of our shows before, you probably know that I can talk a lot uh, <laughs> so, and at points, you know, way too much. And 
I'm, I'll, I'll tell you right now, if, if, if that's ever bothered you, this is probably not the show for you because this game, uh, I, I loved every minute of this game. And I, like, I remember finishing this game and then just sitting there and just having that feeling like, there, like there was, there was no angle that I could think about this game where it didn't make, not just make sense, but that it wasn't hugely emotionally impactful on me uh and i remember i i sat there and i looked at the screen i was just watching the credits roll for a while and then i eventually went down my wife was sitting in the living room uh like reading a book or 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 something and i said listen i know you're never going to play this game i need to explain (laughs) the entire thing to you and probably for like a half hour at breakneck talking speeds i explained the entire story to her and as i was explaining it to her i was getting goosebumps because of how much I, I loved it, uh, there are there are a lot of things about this game that I really love. I think a lot of people are going to point to the story um, as one of the, uh, uh, the the big pieces. I, I was kind of thinking we'd save that a little bit. One of the first things I wanted to talk about is one of the things I was worried about with this game. Um, has everyone on the call uh, played the first uh, Bioshock game? Not necessarily two, but Bioshock one. I've played I have, both yeah. of the first ones. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, um, so just we don't want to make it too much about the original Bioshock, but with Bioshock One, I think most people can agree, especially you know, unless you're not a fan of shooters, that it was a very solid uh, and unique game. Um, I don't think it was a terribly uh, good shooter. I actually don't think the shooting in Bioshock One or Two is is very good at all. Um, one of the things I was really happy with was how much better the shooting uh, overall was in Infinite. Uh, like the, the sound of the guns, the feel, uh, like they actually felt like they had power to them. Um, you felt like the the bullets you were shooting had impact. They didn't they didn't sound. You know, I did kinda, not kinda get that at all. I felt really? it felt identical to the first one. Not yeah, all. yeah. Like, I I that's why I felt too. I felt like boy, this combat mechanism is just dumped wholeheartedly right from Bioshock one I, straight into this game. No, I I, I felt a hundred. <laughs> nope, not at all. I, it's absolutely not at all. There's, there's the the first game, like, you, like, you like, and especially like if you shoot someone with a gun, like you know one or two bullets, and their their life bar would go down, like just like these little ticks, like at a time. Like I felt like in the first game, I was just unloading bullets into like zombie things that were just running straight at me, and they weren't thinking; they were just running straight at me. In this game, I felt like not only would like a handful of bullets would kill something, like they should. Um, but people were hiding behind things, taking cover, like, you know, trying to flank me. I felt like I was fighting things instead of just waiting okay. behind a corner for everyone to run straight that, at me. That's just more of a, a generational ex- exposure to the console. I mean, Bioshock was really early on in the life cycle of the the PS3 and the 360 when it came out. So they were still kind of toying around with what they could do both graphically as well as AI build. And it was kind of like, well, what we really want to sell here is the story, the, this big overarching thing, uh, this Atlas shrugged kind of feel. And they really sold it. Honestly. I and mean, it's still one of the better games that I've played even through this entire generation console, or console generation. But with Infinite, they were able to say, here's what we know we can do with it. We can have a much better graphics engine. We can have a much better AI. And then we can also apply that to our love of telling a story and telling a theme, which is why I really loved Bioshock Infinite 
so much more than the original Bioshock and certainly a lot more than Bioshock 2. Now, now here, let me give you my perspective for a minute coming into this game because I've been playing a pretty healthy diet of some some shooters and and some of the third person action and some of that for a little while this year. And the first thing that I came in when I started playing this, it felt to me so clunky because it seemed like there really should have been a cover mechanic. And at at this day and age with these shooters to really not even try to have that or address that, it made it feel to me ancient. It made it feel like like a bio, like Bioshock 1, right? Where it's almost like a Doom style, uh, you know, I have to strafe to dodge anything. I really don't have any other choice in the matter. So, I mean, so, so real quick, so just compare it to a couple of games where you enjoyed the cover system. Okay, like right before I played this, I finished up Deus Ex. Okay. And Deus Ex mechanically is not a fantastic game by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but it had a really good cover system. And then before that, I had played through all three Mass Effects, and by the time you got to Mass Effect Three, you again you had a really good cover system right. that so, was kind so of in place. I I, I I hear what you're saying, and in 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 general, I I also enjoy cover systems. The reason why I would not have liked that they did a cover system at all, personally, is I have never played never played a first-person game where there is a cover system in which you stay in the first person that I've enjoyed. I, I feel like they, like in like in the, the recent uh, Dishonored, if anyone's played it, it has a, it's a stealth game, so, and it never leaves the first-person view. There is a cover mechanic where you can kind of lean around corners and things, and I just feel like those all feel clunky. Uh, in, in Deus Ex, it works because uh, you, even if you're in the first person, you move to the third person when you're in that cover system for the stealth. Sure. Which um, I'm and, happy with is fine. Right. Um, the pro- the only problem I have with that, and Fleech uh, uh, on RF Gen asked a really good question on Twitter one day. He said, uh, "Would uh, would a game like Bioshock Infinite have been as immersive if it was a third person game?" And I said, "That's a fantastic question. I I do not think I I don't think so at all. I wouldn't have liked it if it was a third person game." Um, his argument was, uh, "I mean, if you're going to hear the character that you're you know playing as voice, doesn't that take you? Doesn't isn't that the same amount of you know?" Uh, of, of you know losing that immersion as if you saw a third person of him and I said to me it doesn't like hearing the voice of the character who I'm playing doesn't take me out of that character pulling out of that character's head and seeing the character would um, I, I, I get what you're saying um, I never found myself wanting a cover mechanic from uh, my perspective kind of like Fleech is someone who's not super familiar with first person shooters I've never felt immersed in Bioshock um, I don't know if it's just because, you know, I have that lack of focus, not being super familiar, so I'm missing little little cues here and there. Or maybe it's because the guys, I'm forced to make decisions I wouldn't personally make, so I don't feel like I am that first person. Mm-hmm. But I've never felt really immersed in these worlds like, like you talk like you have. Uh, there, there, yeah, there's, I've never felt more immersed in a world than in Bioshock Infinite. Um, there's, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not sure... It's really hard to put a finger on what what does it for me, but uh, uh, you know whether it's you know just like it, it's the only game I play where like if I'm playing you know anything else like Mass Effect like Half Life doesn't matter, and I walk you know I walk into an area, you typically you'll look around the environment, you see what things look like, and then you keep playing. Like Bioshock's the only game I play where every single time I walk into a new area, and and they kind of pace the game this way too. Like you very rarely walk into a new area. And then a billion guys uh, to fight pop out. You usually walk into an area, 
and then you kind of get to look around a little bit. You maybe have a chat with Elizabeth. You talk about the guys who run this area. You maybe you know like like the like the I just look block. for the glowing furniture so I can rate it. <laughs> so, trash so, cans. So trash so, cans. Yeah. So so I mean that, but that's the thing. Like there's there's I I care so much about that world and about that story. I'm not even thinking about the trash can until I see it, and then I'm like, oh, maybe I should I should get some ammo because it's about to get real. And I think the thing that draws me in about the Bioshock games and the reason I think I feel differently about this than you do is that, to me, it's not Booker that I become attached to or or Jack that I become attached to. Mm-hmm. It's the world Absolutely. that draws me in. And I don't Absolutely. really – it wouldn't matter to me if I'm in that world in first person or third person or a combination of both. It's the world that does it, not my character because he's pretty – pretty boring honestly yeah i mean boring character that's an interesting point i mean the 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 world of columbia is the most interesting character in the game um i i i still don't feel like i would have been as into it if it would pull back and show me the person and that's just me though that's i feel like that's kind of a splitting hairs thing well let's let our guest chime in here well i was gonna say i agree completely with with bill on this one that the whole idea of the Bioshock series is to experience the world around you and kind of take it in as if you are there witnessing all the chaos, all the stupidity of the politics and what have you. If you were to pull away from it, then you, it's quite literally, you're being pulled from that world. Now you're nothing but a person viewing someone in that world. And that's why you can't have a cover mechanic in something like this, especially with Bioshock Infinite, because everything about this world is designed to draw out an emotion, whether it be the people or the environment, the propaganda, everything about it is needed to be experienced. And if you were to get literally pulled out via a camera just to see the backside of Booker or the side of Booker, then you would feel that disconnect that separation that ken levine and his guys had worked so hard to build and you know i i complete like i said i completely agree with bill on that one it just would be an unnecessary thing to have not every game needs to be like every other game with the the cover mechanic you know have something that distinguishes you you know stick with the idea of well maybe it is a little old school to strafe and dodge and hide behind a pillar but it's not quake. every game needs to have an open world. It can be linear, or not every game needs to have a cover mechanic because then where's the differentiation between your games? you you got to have something that makes it stand out. And in Bioshock, it's the fact that there is no cover. You have to dodge things. It takes skill to dodge this stuff, to time it correctly. And then also it's the, the story as well. That's their biggest driver. So th- I understand the idea of wanting to have that cover mechanic because it, it makes the the fluidity of the the uh, the action go a little bit more but at the same time it helps distinguish Bioshock as a shooter amongst other ones out there I, I have to disagree personally with the first person versus third here again because I feel like in the first person I'm supposed to be embodying this character like myself but he doesn't act in the way that I think any normal person would Whereas if it was in a third-person view for a majority of the show, or even just maybe just a little bit of it, um, I, I can understand more that I'm I'm following this character's story, and then I can enjoy it more. I can be immersed more because 
I understand it's not me. It's not supposed to be me. It's supposed to be Booker. Whereas in first person, I feel like it's supposed to be a reflection of me, and I don't feel like it hits that at all. Right. So, so, so two two things I want to hit on because there's there's good stuff on on both you guys. So the the first thing I'll, I'll do I'll go with Krabby first. So this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Actually, is uh, especially like in games like Mass Effect and Dragon Age where you have to make choices. Um, and a lot of times those choices are, are not just black and white. They have a lot of gray uh, areas to them. So you really have to think about, you know, what's going to happen with this choice. Um, I've always found it really hard to make choices, to, you know, play as a character or make choices um, that I wouldn't make if it was myself. Um, but then I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I feel like there are some games that um, that you are the character. Um, that, you know, you're playing as you, like in Half-Life. You know, you're, you're Gordon Freeman, but he's silent. And you're playing that character yourself, so you know you're 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 role playing to to a certain ex- or sorry, not role playing. You're playing yourself in a game like Bioshock, where they give you a character. It's almost like you're at this point. So now you're not being yourself anymore. Now you're role playing. So now you're an actor in a part. So you know, let's say if you're an actor playing, uh, you know, playing a part in a gangster movie. Um, you know, when when the when it's time to do the scene, okay, you're a gangster. Like you need to make this decision as if you were a gangster going into, you know, whatever the scene you're doing. So I, I agree completely, and that makes sense. Maybe then, in that case, I just didn't find Booker to be a compelling character to put myself into. I Okay, I'll, I, I'll totally give you that. Um, so so that, was the, that was one differentiation I wanted to make. The other it was back to the cover mechanic. Um, one, the, thing, the other thing that sets apart the, uh, the combat from most other games is the vigor system. Um, sure. If there was if there was a cover mechanic, so let's say you're you're hiding behind cover, so you're so you're totally safe, you can't be hit, you can just pop out and hit a few guys with a few bullets, pop back into cover, you're totally safe. Go out, pop a few guys. It, it almost takes the the thrill of that entire vigor system away, as opposed to you know on the fly with you know the however you're playing PC, uh, you know gamepad, whatever. You you know you choose uh, uh you choose your you know like uh, your uh, what's what's the one uh, uh, possession. So you, you get the Gatling gun, and then you switch to, you know, Murder of Crows, and now you're running through this chaotic scene of a possessed turret taking care of a couple of guys, and you're throwing, you know, your magic crows at the other. Like, the, the kinds of scenes that you can create with the Vigors, it, if you put a cover mechanic into that, it almost is the game telling you, don't use all these crazy powers we're giving you, just hide and cover until you can get a few safe shots off. With the exception of a few of the Vigors, like the Possession, how is the Vigors any different than just like dual-wielding guns in any other first-person shooter? Because you're still just shooting a couple of bullets out of a couple but, of guns. But if they're different guns, you need a different ammo, so you've got Vigor, it's like a second gun, a second kind of ammo. The the guns are, are I can understand where you're coming from on this, but guns versus the vigors is the vigors create an environmental situation, like Bill was saying. You know, you use something like the fire, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's been a bit, but you, you say you launch a uh, a a firebomb, and you've created that chaos right there. Or you launch a murder of crows. You've got three guys in chaos on that. Meanwhile, there are another two off to the side that you can deal with at the same time because those guys are taken care of. The The whole idea is to kind of create uh, a sense where you're controlling the action at all times instead of just saying, well, I'm shooting two guns at one guy. You're saying, well, I'm taking care of these guys, keeping them busy off to the side while I take care of this guy here. Or I've got this big 
George Washington mechanic that needs to be disabled for a little bit. So I'm going to shoot some lightning at him and keep him a little messed up, or I'm going to throw some possession at him, and he's going to do some work for me so I don't have to fight him while I'm fighting these guys here. Otherwise, dual wielding with two guns, you're just having two guns pointing at the same enemy. And that, you're not doing anything to change the game. That actually makes a lot of sense. That might have had to do with my point of view. Again, maybe not being familiar with per- first-person shooters too much. I was using them more as a tool than as you know something to to enjoy in the in environmental setting. Right. I, I would just we, use can... like the murder of crows. That's like stunned to me. Okay, great. I stunned him. Now I can shoot him. Like I didn't appreciate the, all all the the mayhem and the confusion that they were creating, I guess. I, I, I didn't, the first time I played through the first Bioshock, I remember, like, I didn't use the, uh, uh, and I'm blanking on what they were called there, man. Uh, but uh, I didn't use any of those uh, uh, abilities at all. I would just kind of, you know, shoot everybody with electricity and then hit them with a wrench because that's what the game taught me to do. And then I remember watching someone else play it and they were setting traps, and they were setting mines, and then they were, you know, lighting things on fire, and then just watching, and not just watching the chaos, but you would start some chaos, and then you would use it to your advantage, like, because, uh, and it's, it goes back to how good the AI is, if you set some traps, and then you, uh, and then you set up, uh, you know, like a firebomb, um, guys just don't take damage, and then look at you and fire at you, they start taking damage, and then they start screaming because they're on fire, and then you can take advantage of that confusion, um, so I guess uh, as far as crabbing not being as familiar, you know, any fa- any person who's not, you know, not even as familiar, but not just not as experienced with this type of game, I guess the game could have done a little bit better job walking you through some of the possibilities. Um, but I guess they just left that to you to, well, okay, here's all the tools, figure out how to use it in the environment. Yeah, uh, yeah they want you to come yeah, up with that yeah. stuff on your own, I guess. I know we've mentioned yeah. it off air before, but I, I have found all three of the games um, overwhelming for someone like myself like i yeah. I'm, I'm missing tons of nuance to these games and i know that i am while i'm playing them okay i want to talk a little bit about since we're already talking about vigors and 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 plasmids which were just you know the the original bioshocks version of this thing um first off the part that i felt really disappointed about in bioshock infinite was that in the original bioshock and bioshock 2 plasmids really fit very well into the world and really Mm -hmm. i mean you had the splicers you understood plasmids were a part of everything and how everything went crazy and out of touch and in this game vigors almost seem like they've been added in just because it's a bioshock game Um, you don't really see hardly any of the citizens use them um they're really almost somewhere like some afterthought Right. Well, so so here's here's the reason why, or at least my interpretation of why you don't see the citizens using them. Um, they are brand new. No, 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 no. Okay, go look at the timeline. No, no, They're no. Like... I'm, I'm I'm not talking about the, like when you look at a wiki page. I'm talking about in the context of the game. When I walk into this game, there is a like almost like a world fair type thing going. Yeah, and they're, they're and they're and they're showing all these things off. So to me, I, I know there's there's a time there's a timeline that they're you know like that they're shoehorned into. But to me, the narrative says to me that these things are new. But you get the information in the game that tells you that you know these have been around for a while. They're not brand new. And like when you kill guys, they've got the bottles on them half the time. Yeah, right. and they just get... don't use them. Hmm. They just don't. I mean, the only ones that use them. You have the fire guy, right? The well, the firemen. 
Yeah, the fireman, who, and that's who, it. Who I thought, well, if we can get away from like the mechanics for just two seconds, uh, I thought that the intro, like the introduction of most of these uh, uh, characters, uh, were were done very well. I thought the first fireman that you see, um, he he gets a short introduction, like you know, you're kind of you're going through, you've, you've killed, you know, you know, like when you watch an action movie and like you know, some guy will kill like thirty guys, and mm-hmm. then like thirty more guys come in, like. Aren't you guys afraid that the first thirty guys just died? So, it, so in this game, <laughs> no. so in this game, like uh, you, you like the first, like so you're at the, you're at the, uh, uh, you know, the raffle, which okay. Is... Well, well, let's let's hold on a second. Okay. I, I kind of want to take the game a little bit piece by piece in a minute, so I don't want to jump around too awfully much. Okay. So can we can we table that part for a minute and just talk about about mechanics again for a little bit? Okay. So you're still on vigors. Yeah, and and why no one's using the salt? Yeah, I'm I'm completely with Duke on this one. I think it it seemed like they really just didn't fit. Other than they really wanted this to be a Bioshock game, it it, it didn't. I mean, it didn't occur to me while playing, and it didn't take me out of it at all. Yeah, it, honestly, I'd never really thought about that until this moment where you know they kind of. You're right; they do kind of exist just for the sake of saying we're going to give Booker some powers to have and some enemies to fight. And people who are going to have these drops just so he can keep using these vigors or these salts, uh, yeah. Honestly, it, it it doesn't make sense that they're going to have this because they have these super powered protectors in the uh, the mechanical presidents. Right, Why right. would they need the vigors to defend themselves? You know, when they even and, have the police to do it too. And the world's set yeah. up like they're uh, expected part of it because there's like the salt machines and the vending machines that upgrade yeah. them, and so they're part of it. But no one's using them other than you. Hmm. Yeah, yeah it's no, really I, 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 I hear what you're saying. It, it makes sense. Um, it, it didn't strike me while I was playing it. I mean, a lot of times, like when I'm playing a game that I really do love, like there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief for certain things oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. And I and oh, I, it's a game. Sure. I tend I tend not to try to pick things apart, uh, especially with, like and it's and I'm definitely biased because if there's a game I don't like, um, and I and I notice something like that, I'm gonna talk about it and say, well, this is stupid. It doesn't it doesn't work. But you know, for so many, so much of the time, when I really love something, there are certain things that I like. Not that I can look past, but like that just didn't occur to me that was uh, uh, not not uh, continuous. Right. And again, I've got a different perspective coming in because you guys have all played this beforehand, and then I was told we're doing this this cast. You want to be part of it? I said yeah. So I'm playing it, and I'm purposely thinking about these things while I'm playing. I even sent Duke a little PM after I done my first playthrough and I, I mentioned the vigors in there like I don't I don't understand mm-hmm. them yet um, why they're here but hopefully that'll become clear later on and, and I feel like it never did but I was purposely looking for things like that because I knew we were going to talk about this mm-hmm. story-wise afterwards yeah and the way I looked at it again I to me the world of rapture plasmids made complete sense yeah I mean it right. was well, a part because, of that yeah. world yeah a part of that culture a part of like uh, uh you know these people who broke away and wanted to form this uh you know, like away from like, you know, like a food and drug administration. Like you want to, you want to, you know, make something with science and put it in your body and sell it to people. You got it. That's your right to do it. So it, it did make a lot of thematic sense in the rapture world. And what was even weirder to me, I think, is that um, in Colombia, there was a, this heavy religious Christian purity. Yes. Except we have these weird drug things that people are going to drink and can use to do magic. Mm. Yeah, just I mean, it's just not something that ever, you know, that ever that ever struck me as. Uh... 
I was always waiting. I was just, I kept waiting. Like, like you said, after that fair, which we'll get yeah. to that in a second, but I just always kept waiting. Like, when is it going to explain to me? When is the curtain going to come back? When am I going to figure out, oh, this is why this right. is going on, or this is, and it, and it just never happened. I mean, you find a little bit about, you know, um, uh, the company and the guy that runs the company that makes these things, but, you know, by and large, you, and maybe, you know, maybe they plan that for DLC or something. I don't know. But it seems strange to me that it was missing. Well, what if it's – think of it this way. They're doing a lot of scientific research when it comes to – I know we're kind of breaking away from the the mechanics in this idea. But you see that they're doing a lot of scientific research about Elizabeth and her her tear ability. And if that's the case and there's such a, a pious, you know, at least in the traditional stereotype of people who are very religiously pious, they wouldn't try to understand her. They would they would eliminate her via the Salem witch trials kind of thing. You know, she's a witch. She's against God. And we're we're not going to study her. We don't want to know about this evil or this affront against religion. And so well, they would probably think... so that whole idea would probably applying to there's this secret behind the scenes idea of the vigors however it brings us back to why are these being advertised out to the streets with the people though so yeah Yeah. and kind of coming back to elizabeth like you're talking about to me see that almost made sense right and because there was this weird stuff they had to hide her away and call her kind of the lamb and and kind of put her into like a religious point right but she's separated from the people so no one can see this stuff happening yeah, again, the, uh, I'm just trying to go with the whole, you know, it could be something in the background, but then we got to think again that these are things that were advertised and quite literally the first vigor was given to Booker as a free sample yeah. at this World's Fair or this Columbia Fair yeah. that was going on. So it does kind of create a, you know, you got a great point. Why is this in the world if no one but Booker is going to be using this? Yeah, did to any me that was guys, the one glaring problem. Did any of you guys collect all the voice recordings? Yes, I, I got most of them, but not all of them. I was, so even no. in those, it didn't uh, fill that out anymore. I it again, it kind of talks very briefly about their creation and you know that fact. The guy I can't his name escapes starts with an F. Fink. 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 Yeah, that that starts the factor. So he's the one behind all of this, but it never really goes to me too deep into the. Why is this happening? I mean, it just kind of talks about, you know, he created these and, and you know, et cetera, et cetera, sort of thing, like like a backstory, like a history of of Fink and his company. Um, but anyway, okay, so those are mechanics. We've kind of broken down the game itself. So let's talk, uh, you know, probably what we're going to spend way too much time picking this thing apart, but the story itself, right? So, you know, the game opens up and you're on a rowboat. And there's these two people chit-chatting while they're rowing you at sea, right? Yep. And they have this little conversation that's going on, a little back and forth. doesn't seem to make too awfully much sense, but the parts that really stuck out to me were, um, well, like, first off, you know, they give you your little thing. They're like, here, this is yours, right? So mm-hmm. that's got, like, your little code to get to Columbia. And... Then the other thing that really struck me when they were talking and they were talking about rowing and they and they were kind of griping about rowing or whatnot and they said well why don't why doesn't he row and and one of them says he never rows, <laughs> yep, right and did you guys catch that the first time? 
I, there's I a lot of hearing it, but yeah, no. I didn't. Yeah, didn't. there's there's a lot of things that I didn't catch the first time. That once I finished it, and I said like on Facebook or something that I finished it, a handful of my friends said, "Go back and play the first, just the first hour, and just look at how much everything makes more sense." And that was one of the first things that struck me. Um, the the thing that struck me the 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 most was the first uh, Vox recording that I heard from uh, Father Comstock, um, where uh, where he says something that at first just sounds like religious, you know, standard religious stuff. Um, and then you have to stop and think about it. So he says, uh, one man, uh, uh, he says, one man goes into the waters of baptism and another yeah. man comes out. And I, I got goosebumps just now when I said it, because when you apply that to, to, you know, the multiple universes and like how there was a tear in, uh, you know, when Booker both chose to be baptized and to not be baptized, uh, and that, you know, sets off, uh, you know, yet another uh, uh, universe. Um, there's so many things. And I, mean, and I think the one th- the thing that a lot of people point to is the coin toss as well. Yeah. And let's 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 again, let's kind of break this into pieces and not mm-hmm. try to dump too much all at once. So you have the boat ride. So, um, again, anybody besides me, I guess um, anybody else kind of kept a catch on that, because right at the front that caught me when they said he never rose. It didn't catch me the first time, no. I, I was kind of curious about why they were bringing it up. You know, right. Because suddenly we had jumped there in the boat, and they're handing a box, and they're going the they're going back and forth on this, and then they bring me into this, and I'm going, why, why, why are they asking me about me never rowing? You know, am I supposed to be someone of importance, and they're showing disdain for this, or is this something figurative that they're talking about? You know, and you know, obviously, if you play through the game, it ends up being something a little bit more oh jeez thanks for that punch in the face okay <laughs> right but you know even in that boat ride they barely even address that you're even there you don't see their faces at all in that boat ride right um which struck me as kind of you know again that they didn't obviously they don't want to give you much at the beginning right they don't want to give you much at the beginning so you get off you know the the boat and you go up the dock and you get to the lighthouse right and did anybody else go? Okay, hey, it's Bioshock. Here's a lighthouse. Yes. Well, yeah, of, yeah. Of, of course, yeah. That that's been a uh, you know kind of a, a, a stamp of Bioshock for a long time. Right. But here's one of the first things, and, and maybe somebody else can help me out with this one. But on the door, right, is the note. You know, r- you know. Um, Bring the girl, clean the dead. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wipe away the dead. Yeah. You know all that stuff. Right. Why was that posted on the door? I don't think that was. I'm trying to remember. Wasn't yeah. that the one that was posted yeah, on the mirror? No, you but open the, the, up the door the, the, and it's still on the like outside of the door. I remember going yeah, back right. to read it because okay. I didn't see it the first time. Yeah. I thought there were two of them, that there was a different note that was on the door, but the wipe away the debt one was on a mirror. No, there's right. another note on the mirror about uh, everyone dying or something written in like blood, do you mean, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the note on the door. So the only thing I can think of is that the Latices put that note on the door as kind of like another way to signal to him, this is what you're supposed to do. Nudge him in the right direction type thing. Well, to right. nudge his his mind in the right direction to create right, this whole he's story. Scrambled. Right. Right. So that's my only thought, because they don't really explain that. My only guess is that the Latices put that on the door, unless you guys have any other thoughts on that. No, I would say that's the best way, because they've, they've created this 
this whole scene with the guy who's off to the right, you know, stabbed through the, uh, sta- I believe he's stabbed through the chest and he's got the bag over his head to kind of make it look like he owes some big mafia people to help along his development of this story that he's creating to try to have his mind come to a, a standing point. So he they staple it to the door saying, we'll bring us the girl and wipe away the debt or this is going to be you, you know, this guy here. Yeah, and it says he like he's coming, right? Yeah. Maybe you guys can explain this to me, or maybe it'll just come out further on down the conversation, but I don't really understand why the Lachises would have much interest in Booker. Okay. Um, why would they I want to even can... nudge him if if they were the ones who are nudging him in that I, direction? I, I think later so, I, could, so... I could address that. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, so maybe we can come back. Around. I think we'll probably hit it, at least to, in my mind. And, yes, and no, we, we will. It, it's that. it's late in the story because uh, Robert and Rosalind are working for Father Comstock, right. and those and those circumstances change. Right, right, exactly. Okay, so um, you go up the lighthouse, you you do the little code, you get into the thing, and you launch in this rocket up to um, Columbia, right, and. And I had, you know, obviously this is a game, but a part of me goes, all right, they didn't have rockets in 19, you know, 14 or whatever, right? But then again, they didn't have cities Floating in the sky cities, in, yeah. in 1900. That's part of the suspension of disbelief when you're in sure. this world. Yeah, Sure. Um, but they don't really explain that to me, too. I, I Obviously, they don't want to. I mean, but like that's the only rocket, right? There's no other rockets. Not necessarily because there's like a whole bunch of different universes, right? So some will have different tech than others, right? I don't know. I guess they don't really address. I don't think so. At least in the ones that you deal with. In the realities you deal with, they all seem to be very similar in nature, right? Like even the parts she brings in are all of the same ilk as what's in your world too, right? Just different positions. Yeah, for the most part. But I I think that the... Well, if you think about it, wasn't it in the Civil War they had torpedoes that they used? And that kind of technology could have advanced to... You know, creating rocket propulsion, even though they they were using what was it? It's mainly just uh, hot air that they're using to keep Com- uh, Columbia afloat, correct? No, yeah. no. We get into that later. I guess we can talk about why Columbia floats, right? Because there's like right. voxophones that explain that. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Sorry. So the the Latisas have basically figured out like some quantum physics, Different right? Kind of matter, right? Ah, right. Right, like there's some sort of basically repulsion effect yeah. that they they've discovered this um, through their research. Instead of like uh, interacting with or repelling from, they found a kind of matter that just like kind of suspends itself, didn't they? And that's kind of the foundation of Columbia. Right, it's really pretty. They don't spend a lot of time on it because I mean, you know, if you're going to believe a floating city, you just have to go. Okay, great, it's a floating right. city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there's actually a lot of times when I would rather things, like, you know, certain things not be explained. Like, like I don't need, like, every single piece of the universe explained. So I remember at some point, you know, I heard on a Voxophone or two, and they were talking about, you know, suspended. Ma- and I was like, and it, no, and it, uh, it was someone on the Voxophone saying, like, and if you could make this suspend, like, why not this? And if, one, and if not right. this, then why not a building? Yeah. So, they, yeah, they spent, like, a few minutes on it, but just enough for you to be like, oh, that's what they were doing. Yeah, and it was enough for me. Yeah, I'm yeah. okay I mean, with that too. 
I don't know why the rockets stood out to me because <laughs> nothing else used that, right? There was no other rocketry. But then again, you know, the kind of weapons you had also were not available. So anyway, maybe we'll just move on. Now, was it? So you, did you actually see a rocket though? Maybe it was like that magnetic thing, like when you get pulled onto the skylines. Did you get? In, if like, I remember correctly, up? you you really blast no, off. Yeah, it, it it was a vibrating blast off with like a tail of smoke. Yeah, okay. it's it's a rocket. Yeah. I think of some it was sort. it was like in Mario Two at the end of the ice level. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It was that same <laughs> rocket. I've never heard Duke complain about that rocket. <laughs> rocket rockets that you pull out of the ground. Is Nintendo that... bias. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, Always so you land the in there. <laughs> right. Always have to. So you you know you land in there and then you go through you know this really big church scene basically you know with everybody's going through the religious stuff. I really like that. I, I felt like that was one of the parts of the game that built this big atmosphere that kind of sucked me in. It was one of the few yep. points where I really felt like Columbia was its own place and I was part of it. And... I'm 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 glad to hear you say that because uh, nothing against you personally, but I, I was starting to wonder if you know like how some games some. Things just aren't for everybody, but I'm really glad that at least this, you know, that moment kind of kind of grabbed you. It's like, you know, it's this immersive, uh, 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 you know, the right when you get baptized. No, there are definitely a few moments. Like, you guys were talking about the rowboat. I, I didn't pay close attention there because it's first-person shooter, so I'm still trying to figure out if I'm allowed to move or not because it's not a cutscene yet, right? <laughs> There's no cutscenes like I'm used to, so I'm like, what are the mechanics? Can I move around? Do I have a gun? I'm yeah. clicking every all the buttons trying to figure it out, and I'm missing half the conversation. But by that point, you know, I've kind of got that part figured out so I can just kind of look around and enjoy what's going on. I guess I should go back to one part, too. Like the code you notice that you have to put in to get there, right? Right. It's like the ring and the bells, right? It's like one, two, two, right? Yeah. Right. And that's going to come back around a little bit later. Yep. Okay. So uh, I'm I'm confused. I, I'm excited okay. to see when this comes around because I don't know what's going on right now. All right. Not too long. I don't okay. think. Not too long. So we. I don't, I don't think this part we probably spent a lot of time though. People play the game. You know, you go in, you get baptized, you enter into Columbia, and you know you're strolling the streets and everything is hunky dory um, until you get further down the line, right? And the things, you, and you finally get you get the little note, right, that says, oh, you know, don't don't choose win the ball raffle. number whatever right 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 yeah so again you get this kind of like why you know why am i getting a note telling me about things that are coming up right um and sure enough of course he does and um can, which can i think I, plays in I, a little bit later too can i real quick talk about this moment for 10 seconds yes no yeah let's do it the the raffle is one of my favorite uh, it's one of my favorite scenes. It's the turning point in the game right before the combat starts. Yeah. And right before the game gets... and, and Ugly, what I really, right? Yeah, it gets super violent out of nowhere, and it really breaks you out of... You've been immersed in this world for a little bit. You kind of know what's going on. You got to hear the barbershop quartet sing to you, which was amazing. Um, but now and it's... But now that all that's over, and you need to murder all of these people. And okay, I remember. Do you yeah. remember? Okay, going back, Bill. I remember when before I started playing, you said pay like attention to the music, right? Yep. And I did, yeah. and I would get I I didn't I couldn't like hone in on it, but like that first barbershop, I'm like, I think I know that song. Yep. This, you, you know who mm-hmm. it is? No, that was, I, I was, that's the Beach Boys. Okay. See, God okay. only knows what, what I'd be. I knew oh, the song. You mentioned so, that so I need to play maybe it. because of my narrow musical tastes. I only recognize one song in the whole game. 
And that Which was one? close to the end. And that was uh, Cindy Lauper. Okay, okay. Well, that's actually um, they play that song during you know at the end of the game, like especially towards the credits. But it's played for the, the first beach. time when you wake up on the beach. All right, yeah. it's totally one of those. That, yeah. uh, it's one of those uh, those pipe machine music. Is that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, yeah, like a <laughs> big, like it's literally like a that song is done as that. Wow. Yeah. And uh, uh, and they have my, the tears my, for fears later. Oh right? man, that, that's my favorite one in the whole game. Is that tears? The well, probably between the tears for fears and Beach Boys. And did you get so without jumping too far ahead? Did you guys catch the Vox phone at the end that explains why that music is in this reality? Yes. I okay. missed that, that one. I picked oh. up. So, that yeah. One. Well, we we will we will get to that in a little bit. Um, so, but just sticking with the raffle real quick. So one yeah. of the coolest things, um, and this is and I don't mind this. Like this is kind of a cool way to deal with cutscenes because in a lot of games you lose control of the character and now you're watching in third person like in a Gears of War or Mass Effect type thing. And it might be cool and it might have some cool story elements. But the fact that it stays in first person, it just kind of takes over you know the view. So you're still you know in the view of the same character, but you're you know, just kind of being, uh, you know, walked along with what you're supposed to be looking at. When uh, when they hand you that, when, you know, they they give you that ball when you win the raffle, I remember there was just a slight foreshadow of what was about to happen when the girl, you know, who brings the, like, all the, the, all the winning, like, the raffle numbers and everything over, mm-hmm. and the announcer guy says, isn't she the prettiest white girl you ever seen? Yeah. And I remember thinking... Why would he even say that? <laughs> Why would he make that distinction? And then five seconds later, you're like, "Oh no!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 that line, like, I, I I know it's I know it's racist in the context of the story, but but that line where he says, "Like like, uh, come on, fella, or are you taking your coffee black these days?" I thought that was such a perfect way to not be over the top racist, but at the same time, show you that. In this society that has been built, this is what you're de- this is what you're dealing with. You're dealing with extreme racism, and not too long after that, you know, you find out that it's not everybody. Um, but I think that moment, you know, when you get to and and did everyone throw the ball at the announcer? Yeah, of course How can you not. Did, <laughs> yeah, I think if you don't, the FBI is notified, and <laughs> and they come to your house and they say so. You're under I would arrest. be curious what even happens if you try, but I mean, I know, of course from, not. You throw it at the announcer, right? From yeah. what I understand, people try, and it still disrupts you anyway because you're throwing the ball with the hand that has the AD on it, and that's mm-hmm. the other thing that's really stirring about the whole thing is that AD. You see the posters when you're walking up to the raffle that oh, show yeah. the back False of the profit, hand. That's right? like he False he will profit. be marked with, you know, the back of the hand, and it yeah. shows the AD on there. Really, and, that's and something that, I and, missed out on again. Oh really? Did not know. Yeah, there's a the false posters. prophet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw a lot there, of the false prophet things, but never, never the AD. Yeah, that poster yeah, it's, is it's, as he's walking up to the raffle. You see, it's really like yeah. big right out there. You see the back of his hand. He said, uh-huh. and then the false prophet will be marked, and it's just his. But hand it's not even like a normal hand. It's like this gnarly devil yeah, hand. It's, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a gargoyle <laughs> hand because because Comstock knows that Booker's coming. Right. Uh, spo- we already said spoiler alert. Comstock knows Booker's coming to get his daughter back, even though he doesn't know it's his daughter. So he's putting this brand out there so that he- so that everyone in the city will try and stop you, whether it's police force, like citizens, whatever. Um, and uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but the- a really cool thing happens with your hand uh, later on <laughs> that actually, uh, I don't know, have you guys found out uh, if it, well, we'll talk about that later, but I think yeah. it might affect gameplay a tiny bit. Yeah, um, um, I think I know what you're talking to, and I didn't do that. So um, right, we'll we'll, mm. we'll 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 get to that. So right. so we had the so the raffle happens. 
Um, I think pr- no matter what you choose, it, it's kind of like the illusion of choice because you're going to get interrupted. They, sure. they see the brand on your hand, and that's when you take that skyline hook and you break this dude's head <laughs> off his neck. Oh, man. And, oh, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not usually one who goes in for, you know, when you're like 10 years old and you're like, I can't wait to see Total Recall because there's all this blood and stuff in it. <laughs> like, as you get older, it doesn't, That's you know, not why 10-year-olds wanted to see Total Recall. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I wanted that's, to see Total Recall. That was the thing. It was to watch but, uh, Schwarzenegger's brilliant acting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. So, uh, so, but like, you know, when this happens, it really, because for the whole game so far, you've just been experiencing this world and like, you know, trying to get a grasp on why you're there, kind of getting used to everything. But the, the, like, I really think this moment was designed to shock you into, uh, okay, like it's about, the combat's about to get real. But on, and on top of the visual a part of it, the music gets intensely frightening at this point. Yeah. Yeah, like it, like psycho like uh, shrieks like no matter like even after you kind of finish that initial combat, just walking around and looking at like you know bloodstains and ev- all, everyone's dispersed. There's some really intense music happening, and I think that really kind of like brought me back to like oh crap like I need to fight my way out of here. One of the parts like you mentioned, there's the, there's like bloodstains and stuff, but the bodies disappearing kind of you know breaks me out of that reality again. Because they go, I, I they you, go yeah. quick. They usually, like some games, like I said, I don't play a lot of first-person shooters, but some of them, you know, keep the bodies until you've killed too many people. Then they start deleting the old ones, type thing. Right. This one, just, they were, I mean, you like turn around and turn back, and they're gone. And there's just, just like, tell a yourself that it's tears are taking them away. You know, <laughs> the tears are everywhere, and the, they're just going. And they're That's leaving all. their loot in a nice little box. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. It's it's Elizabeth actually working for you. Oh, that's, right. that's how it is. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I, I we're think, just dealing with the realities of the game engine, right? Right. It's just rendering things. Okay. So I, I wasn't so, sure if so, that's like a still a very common thing because I, I don't play a lot of modern shooters. So, so so here here's the thing. I think between the group of us, I'm the only one who played on the PC. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, I okay. played on 360, PS3 um, for me. I, I would have to go back and check because I, I honestly didn't ever notice bodies going away. Um, uh. So um, I, I will I will double check that for you guys and report back because I've never I don't remember one time going over to a dead body and having it be like kind of like a little treasure chest. Okay, at least in the like PS3 I, version, it was very apparent because, like I said, you'd turn around as soon as they weren't in your vision. You, when mm-hmm. you turn back, they are gone. Right away, I, I will I will confirm that for you by the time we air this. Okay. And but, and the three sixty version, they did. I mean, it wasn't. I don't remember it being quite that quick. But if you had too many dead bodies, you got lock boxes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't remember here. that at all. I could have just been you know not paying attention. But I I will I I remember every single person I looted was a person. Even after you kind of like clear a room out, and then after you clear a big room out, you'd go and kind of you know collect all the stuff. But I remember it being bodies for almost everybody, but I, I will double check. It was kind of a little mini game for me if I could get the loot from an actual body. Like I kill them and I'd loot them before they hit the ground because I know they'd be a lockbox if I didn't. Mm. And and you're, maybe you're that's so a meta. PS3 thing because yeah. the three the 360, it would it was more kind of like after so many of them, then they would start turning into boxes. Yeah, I would play the 360 as well, and I didn't notice any of the bodies kind of vanishing unless, like you said, there was a pile up, but. I, I can see how it would definitely break your immersion if suddenly, hey, you turn around, there's no bodies there. Right. I mean, there, there's not to, not to make this about consoles or fanboys or anything, but there is less usable memory on the PS3. But we'll we, we'll we'll yeah, confirm that. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, it's just hardware limitation there. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So, I mean, you go through, I mean, and the rest of the game for a little while is nothing too terribly exciting. I mean, you fight the firemen, and anyway, blah, 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 you eventually... Whoa, whoa, you, gla- you glaze right <laughs> over the fireman introduction. 
So remember okay, we're talking okay, about bringing go, us back. Go, well, for, go for so it. Rem- so remember we're talking about. Uh, I told you I was going to talk. So remember we're talking about like, okay, you just killed thirty guys. Like, wouldn't you think that all the rest of the guys would be afraid? So like, here we have for the first time in a while a game where like, hey, you kill all those guys, and then you're kind of you know you keep going forward, and then the guys actually start to run away from you. They're like, get the fireman. The fireman's coming. Oh, he's got to deal with the fireman now. <laughs> like you actually right, start thinking, right. oh, dude, like they're sending in their dude after me. Um, and then, uh, I mean, my first thought was like, like, whatever, it's going to be like a dude with a hose or like, it's going to be like, no, it's a fireman. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and that was the first time where I at least thought like, oh, like there are vigors among the enemies, but it didn't really expand too much beyond that. There um, isn't any others, is there? I, not that I can think of right now, but I mean, maybe as we come across things, um, but I don't think so. I mean, the, the, the closest thing you have is the, uh. The handyman, and that's not based on vigor. That's just electromechanical. You've got the the one boss in the in the botanical gardens area that you fight, who has the murder of crows. That's how you get that power. Oh, right, that oh, that's guy. Right. That kind of he, around, he's yeah. one of them that does. Too. Oh, and there's the one guy that has the electrical thing too. I forgot. Right. right. So so it doesn't look like it's widespread, but like yeah, there, there's a handful of uh, of enemies that uh, that that now that I'm thinking about it, that have them. But yeah, I thought I thought the introduction of the fireman was great, and it's it's. Uh, Every time they would show up, like later in the game, like I, I really enjoy being introduced to the enemies in like in a really, really well paced way, and then being given a big environment with a bunch of powers, and say, okay, like here's your environment, here's the enemies that are thrown at you, like figure out a way to destroy everything. Yeah. And uh, it, it does, it, it, it does take a, it took me a little while at least, like with Bioshock One and Two, to kind of understand, okay, this is how the game is, is you know, wants me to play it. This is what, how, what their intended way is, because for a while. I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing, and I wasn't really having fun with it. But you know, I, I kind of stuck with it. And once I realized how the game wants me to play it, when you start using the vigors, I, I think what happens is when you co- start collecting salts, and you're like, okay, well, I can't pick up this salt because my salt's full. That tells me just psychologically, okay, I should be using vigors more often because I'm finding a ton of salt. Right. And to me, that's what got me starting to use more of my powers more often. Right, but with like the fireman, that's your fight, your first tough fight, because you don't have any vigors at that point. Right? No, no, yeah, at, at that point, you, I, uh, you're you just right, have to take him out. Yeah, you, you had the possession at that point, don't you? Yeah, right. You, but you can't so use you, it on the fireman. Right. Well, well he, here's here's the trick, because there is a turret that you take possession of, and if you continue while leaving the turret possessed, the fireman comes down and the turret can take him. But most people kill the turret before they get to the fireman. Now, let me ask, because backing up for a minute, when you first get to the fair there. There's that vending machine that has the bucking bronco for sale, but there's is there any way to get enough money to actually buy it at that point? I don't think so. Oh, you know what? There was a pre-order bonus that gave you like five hundred <laughs> silver dollars. Ah, remember? There you and go. and I didn't pre-order, but like remember, you know how most pre-order bonuses become DLC eventually. Yep. Um. So when there was a like during the Steam Summer Sale, the pre-order bonus like went on sale for like a buck, so I bought it. And when I started my second playthrough. Um, you know, like all that, like you start playing, you don't have this stuff. And like, you know, kind of before you get to the fair, like a screen just pops up and it's no, actually, no, it doesn't pop in your inventory. The first time you see the Lutesses in that bar, that's where all that stuff is. So I don't even think you have it by then. Oh, okay. Hmm. Okay. Did you guys it, find going back to the vigors that you, like I, I had two that I used pretty much the entire game and didn't feel the desire to use most of them. Like I tried them out when I got them today. It's not going to be as mm-hmm. useful, so I just wouldn't touch most of them. I I, I was like that a hundred percent in Bioshock One, and a little bit of two, and I, I like I think 
part of it was because I, I, I could do it. Like, you know, I didn't need to go to anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Infinite, I really felt like the salt was so much more, um, you know, prevalent. Like, I really tried everything, like, in a lot of different situations. Because right. a lot of times when you first get uh, a Vigor, you'll try it once or twice. And then it's like, okay, well, this isn't really useful. But the, tr- the problem is it's not really useful right there where you are. Like, by trying a lot of Vigors in a lot of different situations, I figured out a lot of cool combos. Um, but but I mean you're right. Like this is the thing that kind of keeps coming up, uh, especially with your with your first person experiences. That the game doesn't do a fantastic job spelling out to you how to use vigors. It really lets you figure it out on your own. So right. I guess if you don't take the time to do it, it's not going to work. I felt too like the the murder of crows um, was way overpowered. You'd have I used a whole bunch constantly. of guys coming in, especially you, yeah. if you powered it up. You just but, yeah, but wipe, it was but you did... stun everybody and then wipe them out. And then once you finally get to a guy that is immune to it. I just like switch to lightning, zap him, and then and then go back to murder of crows instantly. But wasn't murder of crows? Didn't it take a lot of salt to use? I don't. Every mm-hmm. single time I got one of those potions, no, possession so you can more things. Oh right, right, right. You, you chose the salt upgrade every single time. Yeah, I, I didn't do one health upgrade. I did all salt. Okay, and you played on on regular, easy, normal. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, the my only real problem, I guess, here we're back into vigors again. The only problem I really had is that. Some of the vigors you get so doggone late in the game, you've already developed a playstyle, yeah. and you're probably not going to change. Agreed. Right, especially considering that a lot of them only get really useful when they're upgraded. Um, yeah. I, I totally agree because you, you'll get to a point where it's like, okay, well, I felt like I was far enough in the game that I already spent all you know my upgrades on stuff that I'd been using. So, uh, yeah, I, I I totally agree with that point. Like the water one, that one was so good. But that's the thing that irritated me. Is like, why did they wait so long to give it to me? Because hmm. um, it was fantastic. Once I had it, I started using it like crazy. Um, but it just disappointed me. And then by the time I got that last one with the shield and stuff, I just didn't even bother. The, gun, the bother. guns were the same way for me, too. You know, I did my upgrades, you know, when I had the money. And then after a while, I was like, I don't want to invest in a new gun. I'm just going to use the ones I've already got powered up. Now, see, I want to get all the achievements, so I'd just kill everything with one gun. Okay, switch to the next gun, get a bunch of kills. Okay, switch to the next gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not its finest. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because if you have fun with that meta aspect of it, like by all means. Um, but I'm, I'm glad. Like I used to, the the achievements used to be like a a very real part of me playing the game and something I was going after, and I kind of felt like at least on my initial playthrough that it was it was you know. It wasn't keeping me focused on what I actually wanted to be focused on. So my first playthrough, um, I don't read the achievements and I turn the notifications off because I really don't want to have anything kind of popping up, taking me out of it. And then on my second playthrough, if there is one, then I'll look at those and try to maybe do them. That's the same way I play. I don't like them to influence how I'm going to play the game the first time. The second time, I love them. Yep. Now, I would disagree. I use them because to me achievements are usually used as like a developer roadmap to kind of say, hey, these are the things we want you to try doing. Mm, I, 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 I agree, but I, I think that the, I think that if the game is, is paced and designed well enough, it then the game will take you through that. List, yeah. yeah. I agree with Bill here. Yeah, especially in, in Infinite, a lot of it was just, you know, do it with this number of bullets or this number of guys with this gun or, yep. you know, do this combination here. And the combinations would make sense if you were to try to hunt those types of things. But it, it a lot of it just seemed like, do it this way. And that means that you've played it enough times, that kind of thing. They're just adding to replayability for the sake of having replayability. 
And, and so, so real quick on on the Vigors, um, how do you guys feel about bucking Bronco? It was probably one of the useless, <laughs> most useless ones to yeah. me. It was like a less really, useful murder of crows. I really wanted it to be awesome, and like I just didn't feel like, like I was like, okay, maybe I'm not using it. Like maybe I should get closer. Maybe I should try this. But like, I don't know. It just didn't. It was. It was almost like. Did you did you feel like they were trying to get a uh, what? You, what's the one in Mass Effect where you levitate your enemies? Oh, um, singularity. Right. Yeah. Like, did you did you feel like they were like, okay, well, that's cool. Why don't we do like a singularity type? Now, to me, Bucking Bronco was the one that was really screaming to somebody, "Hey, combo!" Right. This one really right. doesn't do anything on its own. It's just setting up a right. combo. Yeah. Yeah, um, because the about... game doesn't tell you to combo ever. Right, you you need you need you, yeah, you really it does. need. Yeah, to... There was something that it, maybe it was a Vox or something. Uh, I remember them being told to like mix and match, and then after that, I tried like Murder of Crows and Lightning because those were my two go-to ones. I was trying to see what <laughs> connected. Something yeah, you mentioned. could light yeah, a Murder but... of Crows on fire and throw them at uh, an enemy or something like that. I think that was one of the combos. But Maybe honestly, I one, found yeah. the brucking the bucking Bronco to be one of the more useful ones for me because I would be able to lay the traps. And if you know, like, say, I had a bunch of guys, because unfortunately, the AI wasn't as intelligent as you'd think if you no, led them to pretty... you. Yeah. Until you mentioned it just now, I completely forgot there are traps. I didn't use them once. Really? Ever. Ever. Yeah, well, I the used Bucking Bronco Crow trap was lot. great. Yeah, that Bucking Bronco was great as a trap. It, not yeah. so much as it's, it's a single-use thing because it's a waste of your salts, but if you use it as a trap and you lead guys into it, you get three guys up into the air. You just take them out with you know, either the electricity or the fire or even just open up some ammo on them, and then they're easy targets at that point. Yeah. I, I, I only really use traps when somebody was chasing me. And I would be running, and then I would I would try to throw a trap like on the wall next to me, and then I would turn around as they passed it, and it would hopefully like blow them off the edge of the uh, of the city. Um, but yeah, I didn't use them a ton. With the murder of crows, like you get the upgrade pretty quick, where the corpses become traps themselves. Yeah. So I just yes. never needed to actually set a trap for anything. That's one of the bit. one of the best uh, uh, little uh, upgrades that you can get early on. Is uh, it's just. You 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 create it's free free traps. Just you're killing the people anyway. Just uh... but the the thing about that. Okay, again, we're kind of going off a tangent for a minute. But all Murder of Crows is is Bee Swarm from yeah. Bioshock Two. It's the exact same thing. No 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 no. They're crows. <laughs> <laughs> you're missing they, one they fundamental difference. <laughs> right. But also, I mean, mechanically, they function ex- exactly the same. Well, except for they they sound different and they look different. Um, for, as far as game functionality goes, they do the same thing. Have the uh, same upgrades, even. Well, they're crows. <laughs> All right. So anyway, back to back there. So you you're kind of just going through the city for a little while, and you've got like mm-hmm. the little detours, like oh, if you want to go find the key for this stupid chest, and you run into the Latisses kind of the first time, right at the bar. Uh, right. And there's really nothing too terribly exciting that goes on. They just kind of point you along your path, yep. right? Oh, oh, I'm so. I think we might have glossed over at the right when you get to the fair when you meet them, and he's got a sandwich board sign on him with the heads and tails. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. I forgot that's where yeah. that was. So, I thought so, that was so, later, but okay. right. So yeah, that's right before you get into the fair. So I mean, everyone everyone's played the game, so everyone knows what we're talking about. So the the coin flips, and, and then this they one is a big the, deal. Yes, and then they look at the results, and they look at each other, and they're like, up, oh, and then they you know they mark it down. 
But then when he turns around, you see the number of times that have already been marked down on the back as well. Right. And did you notice how many times that is? Isn't it like 97 or something? It's like 120, like 120 something. I mean, Mm -hmm. altogether. Yeah, it's a ton. And I think it's like the same as like, you know, it's like the code that you put in to get to the thing is like one, two, two. And I think Mm -hmm. the number is like right around that, like that same thing. So it's like, is the code just how many times you've done this? And again, we'll get back into this a little bit later, right? Right. Right. I I do think that that's what they were, you know, trying to imply is that like this, this has happened, like, even though they're, they're, they're separate universes, separate realities, this has happened before because, because, uh, uh, you know, when the Lutesses or like when the tear opens up, it opens up in that point in time. There could, the tear opens up, you know, previous to that. So these things will occur again. Um, and, uh, and I, I guess maybe we should explain real quickly why the Lutesses are in all of these realities, or is it not time for that yet? I guess mm. we'll tackle that story-wise a little bit later. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm um, really curious to yeah. hear that when we get there, because that's, that's something I did not grasp even at the end. Right. Okay. So okay. so we have the Lutesses and the coin flip there, and then you get to the bar, and then you see them again. So at this point, it's it's very possible that you've put together that these two, like, and uh, I know some yeah, people didn't Yeah, because they just appear realize, out of nowhere. Right, and, and I know some people didn't realize that they were the ones on the boat in the beginning because you don't really see them; you just hear them. But they have very distinct voices. It's so this Hale. is the, yeah. So so this is like the Can't the third Sander, or fourth time. Commander Shepard, there. Yeah, so this is like the third or fourth time you've seen them. So now they're in the bar, and now, but this is the first time where you kind of you know your character Booker can kind of stop and talk with them. Okay, like, like what's going on? Like who are you guys? And you know, obviously they're very, very quirky, uh, just because of all the. Uh, you know, crazy, you know, just scientific minds and all the experiments, all the stuff they're doing. So you almost don't understand anything they're talking about until the second playthrough. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're approaching it from some other grand perspective of having seen all this, uh, you know, tons and tons of times. Yep. And they don't seem like they're that interested in giving you any information. Um, because, and I think it's because with all this, all the, uh, you know, with their, you know, recording the coin flips and everything, I think that they have, under, they understand no matter what they do or say, the outcome is not going to change. So I think they're really just there as observers. That's not true. They understand mm-hmm. you can change things, right? Or at least they have a theory that you can change things, one of them anyway. And he wants to test I think, it. I think, I think that's the reason they're doing all of this, right? But Obviously, I, I, is to, make to change, change an outcome. I, I, but they hadn't had if, much success, right? Could you imagine right. if you'd failed 120-something times? <laughs> right. You, and they, and you they would just, be pretty disinterested. You would be so pretty I, disinterested. I, I think that the more they go through this, the less they think that they can change. I think like on on turn one, two, three, four, and and here's the other thing is on the first uh, wouldn't wouldn't you think they're not recording coin flips until they've at least done this a handful of times? Yeah, think, yeah. Like, and they're always you know, like, like, oh, it's always whatever, right? Right. So I mean, it has to have happened, you know, five, six, seven times before they started the coin flips, right? Well, so even if I, they're I, scientifically minded, still it's still 120 something times. Right. You know what I, mean? I, I I feel like Why they would originally they be continuing thought continuing that... if they didn't think there was a chance. Then though, <laughs> well, I think they oh, do, they, they... but I think the reason they're sort of disinterested in the beginning and don't really give you much information is because they've just been doing this over and over and over. I got the yeah. feeling that that's exactly how the sister felt, but the brother was more like, you know, this is gonna work. I just need to find the right circumstance or something. Mm. And I would agree. I would agree. She, he yeah. was, he was always like, 
you know, again, he was like the yin to her yang a little bit, right? All throughout the story. Now, what she, I don't know if I want to get into that just yet, but isn't she technically, and I put this in air quotes, the older of the two? You know, she's been exposed to this storyline a little bit longer than him. I think so. Or is it the other way around? She she began the experiments that led to the tears. Okay. That's that's what I thought. All right. Um, that would explain okay. why he's a little bit more excitable because he's not as he's he's still kind of hopeful about it and she's just more okay it's another experiment let's see where this one goes sure and even through the whole story I mean you, you see that he's always she's like so wants to go for some of the stuff and he's very reluctant on a lot of things right like he just you know even them coming together he was very much like no I don't really want to do this this is not a wonderful idea you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or she's crazy gung-ho about all this. Um, but anyway, nothing too terribly exciting happens, I mean, until you get to the the place where Elizabeth is, right? Right. right. Mon- so Monument you, Island. Right. So you go through a bunch of fighting, of course, to get there, but eventually you get to Monument Island, and you go through and you notice that they're just... You see all these like experiments they've been doing to to her and then you get to kind of see from like this behind two-way glass uh, observation stuff i don't think we have to spend tons of time with this and you get to see her like open a tear to and she's like what return of the jedi or whatever in paris revenge <laughs> of the jedi revenge of the, jedi. Yeah. the original yeah. now, title now was your guy when you opened up that tear into paris did it say revenge of the jedi on your screens i did not notice that <laughs> I I knew it said I thought it, it said Return of the Jedi, but I mine didn't. mine did not say Revenge of the Jedi. Mine said the name of the movie in French. I thought mine. That's was what in I thought English. too. I don't remember seeing any Jedi stuff in there. I yeah, like I I don't know how to say it in French, but like because I remember like a couple of years ago when they teased this game, that's the part that they showed when she opens up a tear and you hear Tears for Fears and you see Revenge of the Jedi, and that's when everyone and that's you know an immediate revelation that like oh this this is a tear open in time so i, I kind of knew that that's the only p- piece of the story that i knew was going to happen so when she opened it and you realize it's in paris i think you see the eiffel tower in the background yeah i knew that the revenge of the jedi was part of it but when i saw the marquee on the movie theater i i you know obviously realized it was in french so i don't speak french but jedi is actually french for jedi <laughs> i did not notice that that was a reference to a different time i thought it was just a different place i didn't pick up on the music or the theater title Yep, now, that's, I, and that's yeah. I picked up on that right away because, like, what was this game's obsession with 1983? <laughs> that's when Did the you NES know, like, came, all yeah. like, came out. Yeah. It's a good year. <laughs> but you notice there was like tons of references to like 1983. Yeah, I mean, do do you think that's because that's one of the more common tears that uh, that Elizabeth opens? Probably the well, year most of the programmers were born. Like <laughs> all these songs that were in there were like. These early '80s, like uh, they very well may have been '83 songs. Yeah, I mean, it it, it might have been. I mean, and, I, I uh, and the year uh, at the end where old Elizabeth is that I imagine we'll get to. That's 1983 as well. Yeah, what you mean with the attack? Yeah. Yep. So I don't know what the big deal is with 1983. Why is that such a pivotal? Yeah, that I mean, she keeps it, returning to that, or if if it is, I'd, if it was you know explained, I didn't pick up on it, but uh, I don't remember them uh, addressing it. Yeah, I don't know why that was such a, a big... Maybe just somebody's birthday or something. I don't know. Anyway, but <laughs> hmm. Maybe Ken Levine was born in 83 or something. I don't I have no idea. 
But I did know this kind of weird. Not, I mean, no, I don't think he's that young. All right, maybe he loved 1983. I don't. Anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, no big deal. I mean, we can kind of through i think most of this for a little bit right so you know you go there you liberate her from songbird that's when you first find out a little bit songbird is some kind of man machine hybrid right pretty awesome that's another spot of the story i didn't grasp even at the end was the relationship with songbird well you kind of see going in there like at one point i don't know if it's in there or somewhere else you see like some papers that show you like the design kind of blueprints of songbird Mm -hmm. and you see that it's like a man machine hybrid like there's a man in there somewhere right that's a part of that um i mean yeah they they were they were definitely very you know very uh uh, i don't want to say close to the chest but they really didn't make almost any effort to give you additional detail on the origin the purpose i mean besides you know keeping her in the tower um but uh yeah they really didn't go into too much uh on songbird all right. If we remember, we, if we have time, there's like a crazy internet theory that I might bring back to that. <laughs> Was there a parallel to Songbird in the other two Bioshock games that I'm just overlooking? Well, I'll get to that crazy internet theory. I think, <laughs> okay. So you're now thinking of the yeah. same one then. Okay. <laughs> okay. So anyway, yeah, Songbird's Protectorate. You escape Songbird um, and you land on the beach, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And... Again, I think we can probably go pretty quickly through this part because, I mean, you just kind of figure out. Yeah. First, you kind of think, maybe I'm at a real beach, like I'm at, on yeah. the, the land, and then you quickly kind of see, oh, no, not really. It's a fake. Right. It's a fake man-made beach. Yeah, floating like, beach. Yeah. Right. Uh, because you see, like, the guys working the machinery, and you chase her down. She's dancing, having fun. Um, and then... You know, you're going through, and that's when you finally meet in the couple that you were about to throw, or that were on torment on the stage, right? Right. And um, so, of course, they're appreciative and give you uh, some gifts and whatnot. And uh, really, the only other big thing I think that happens on the beach is kind of as you're coming out of that, the Latisas show up again, and you have the choice of the bird or cage neck thing, right? Right. Does anybody know, is there any influence on the game at all Which with which one you pick? As far as I know, there is not at all. Okay, so I'm curious. Did anybody here pick Cage? Yep, that's the one I did. I honestly don't even remember what I picked. Yeah. I want to say I, it was the I, Cage. Yeah. I, I picked Bird, uh, and I mainly picked it because, I mean, like, just, I was thinking... Uh, this is one of the only times when I was, you know, conscious of... I'm playing a game. I need to make a decision because it's going to affect something later on, even though it seems insignificant. So I took time to choose. Yeah. I, I said, okay, I don't want to be a caged bird. I'd rather be a free bird flying around. So I chose that. And it was another example of the illusion of choice. And I agree. That's why I chose it. Because to me, it's freedom versus, um, you know, rigidity and, and right. conformance or whatever, right? I thought it was so, a more attractive neck piece. <laughs> <laughs> And that's exactly, and the, so that he, that's exactly, you made the decision exactly how they wanted you to. Which one of these do you think is prettier for her to wear? And that's yeah, all that's it was. that's what she was asking you, right? Yep. Be- and I think everyone kind of stopped and was like, oh, am I going to get a different ending if <laughs> I get this? And it was like, no, you're just choosing a necklace. But they, they gave you enough of those choices. And so speaking of choices, I think it was in a similar portion of the game. Do you remember when you go, I think it was like where the flamethrower is or something, when, uh, when the game tells you stealing may have consequences? Yeah, but they're like hmm. ridiculously pathetic yeah. consequences. 
And well, here's like I didn't know what the consequences were. I just like the game kind of said to me, "Hey, just so you know, stealing might have consequences." And I said, "Okay, I'm not stealing." And I didn't steal anything. And you know what? The really other really weird part about I mean, not weird, but the I guess again they're trying to hit you with this is the first kind of places you go to, and again you meet that couple. You like go in those bathrooms, and it's for the I mean, basically. Segregated? Yeah, yeah they're segregated yeah. bathrooms. This is for the other non-white people, and they're right. terrible and nasty. And like, mm-hmm. you go into one, and the guy's cleaning them. He's like, "You better get out of here, right? They, yeah. they don't. They don't want you. To, you don't want to get seen in here with me. I'm gonna get in trouble, basically." Right. And what's even weirder is like a little later, right? There's like another guy, and you hear him, um, and he's cleaning up or something, and he's speaking very intelligently. And then when you come and he notices you, he turns into this old, like, oh, hey, you know, I'm yeah. sorry, you know. Yeah, he plays, he, he flies under the radar. He does what he has to do to not be noticed. Right. Hmm. Um, the stealing another part- thing bugged me, too, because um, I, I tried really so hard st- not to steal because, because I was warned of those consequences. And then later in the game, I did it by accident, like, 10 times in a row when I was in the slums just I just wanted to pick something up I didn't realize it belonged to anybody and then all of a sudden I was getting attacked by like this angry people because I like raided their vending machine they'd kicked over yeah it yeah, really doesn't I, matter I, it's just do you want to fight now or fight later yeah. basically right right so um okay so you're going in and you go through and of course then you see the nice white bathrooms and everything that's there and see I mean you obviously see in this world that things are horrible mm-hmm. um and then right before you're about to get on the airship, because you keep telling her, okay, yeah, we're going to go to Paris, yeah. Because at this point, you're thinking, whatever, shut up. I just want you to yeah. go with me so I can pay off exactly. my Exactly, yep. Just got to get her off the island. Right, and he kind of mumbles that to himself at times, right, to kind of get the story moving. Yep, like, she, like she'll walk away, and he's like, whatever, I got to tell her. Right, and the that one point, she meets somebody she knows, Right, right before you're about to go into like the ticketing place, remember she meets a lady that she knows, and they have like a little conversation, and then you just kind of follow her. The weird part to me is that that seemed to have no consequence. I'm thinking, how does she know this person? She's been locked away in a tower. How do they? They don't really seem to explain any of that, and then it doesn't seem to matter. Are you talking about when you have the interaction at the ticket counter with the guy no, that you're trying to buy that. tickets from? Oh, before? Okay. So in Patriot Hall? Um, I guess you're coming out of the battleship place, right? You're coming up. Okay. And right before you go through, like, these turnstiles, where, like, you're going to go up to the ticketing place, she meets right. a friend. And this lady is, like, a part of, like, this air crew or something, and they blib blab back and forth a little bit. And that's it. You're on your way. I don't know if I, you know, I, I may be having a moment right here, but I don't know if I remember that I don't that remember exactly. that either. Yeah. Me neither. Okay. Anyway, yeah. It was a really minor part, but to me it was kind of odd because I was thinking, how would they know each other? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm before that on my second playthrough right now, so I'll, uh, yeah, I'll keep an eye out for it, but I don't remember that standing out to me. It's pretty inconsequential, and okay. that's the weird part to me is because it, it seemed like, why did they even do this? Because okay. I, expe- well, I was expecting something to happen, and it, it didn't. I'll, I'll keep an eye out. And then anyway, you go up to the ticket counter, right? And then that's when you yeah. kind of get the first, and you hear the guy's like, okay, I got him here. What do you want me to do? And you got the choice of either attack him or just ask roughly for tickets, right? Right. And so what did you guys choose? Tickets, of course. Tickets. Bill? I went after him. <laughs> I went after him, too. 
I was like, <laughs> look, forget it. These guys, this, they know that they're working on my doom, right? right? And, so. and, the, and the thing is, if, if this guy was just turned around on the phone, I would have just like, hey, buddy, like we're in a rush. But, you know, you hear him say, like, I got him here. What do you want me to do? Right, so, right. Like when I thought like, you know, so because I'm again, I'm playing a role. I'm playing Booker. And if I'm Booker and if Booker hears, I got him right here. What do you want me to do? That sets that. I mean, if do if you if Krabby, if you're at a train station, and uh, a guy on the phone says, "Yeah, he's at the window right now. What do you want me to do?" I mean, you're either running, <laughs> or you're incapacitating this guy. So, like, my my first thought was like, okay, like I I need to get out of the situation before it gets rough because I thought he was calling in reinforcements. So I figured if I could attack him soon enough, then reinforcements wouldn't show up. That's that's where it breaks me out of that reality again. Neither of them are choices that I would I myself would make. I would rather have a third person so I can say, okay, this is what Booker would make. All right. Well, so, you cho- so, you, so you chose I chose story? the one that was closer to what I would do in reality, even though it didn't make sense to the story. Okay, well, either way, because I was curious what happened, so I looked it up, right? So I kind of know what you guys saw and know what I saw. Because when I do it, you just you start shooting, and then there's a fight. But when you guys did it, you get right. stabbed, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so do you guys? So I don't know if this is one hundred percent true because I haven't done it the other way. But what from from what I from what people have said, if you you know start the fight, so what happens is uh, for the rest of the game, you know nothing nothing really changes. Your brand is still visible. Yeah. So that when so that when people you know when you walk into an area, people recognize you right away, and if they're if they're hostile, they start shooting right away. Um, some people have said that because after you get stabbed. Elizabeth wraps her ribbon around your hands, so now your brand is hidden, so people don't attack you as as uh, aggressively because they don't recognize you as as quickly. But you have a slight penalty on like your aiming speed or your reload speed for the rest really? of the game. Really? Because I was just gonna say you get stabbed right through the hand, and it doesn't affect you at all. You're normal <laughs> the rest of the game, you don't slow down a second. But I just thought I was game. a bad shooter to begin with, so <laughs> if it did anything, I didn't notice. Yeah, I, I don't know if it game, actually does. Were they, were they wrap? Did, was your hand wrapped up for the rest of the game? Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I I thought I because I, that was one of those things that like after I played, I was like, oh, I wonder what happens the other way. So same thing, I looked it up, and no one knows for sure. Like people are like, well, a lot of people say that you have this, but but like I don't know if it's actually any different. Okay. Anyway, though, eventually you get on the airship, and uh, again, I think we could probably fast forward a lot, because there's nothing too terribly exciting. Of course, it doesn't work out, right? She sees that you're not going to Paris, and then you get in a fight, and then there's an attack by Fitzpatrick, right? Yep. Fitzroy? And then Fitzroy. <laughs> Fitzroy, sorry, Fitzroy. Fitzpatrick, I'm like the, wa- the washed-out <laughs> Bills quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know about you... Guys, but to me, the whole Fitzroy chunk of the game is a throwaway. That to me I, confused I, me right off the bat because that all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm in, I'm playing Bioshock again because it was such a parallel, which they obviously explained right. later on. But I was, I was really intrigued right. into how that was going to spread out later on. Like it's, it's weird because it's not a throwaway to me, but at the same time, when I think of the entire overarching Bioshock Infinite story, I don't think of the Fitzroy story until someone brings it up until I see a picture. So, and I'm, I imagine that when I get to that part in the game, I'm going to be like, Oh yeah, this was a part of the game. So are you guys okay if we just distill the Fitzroy story to its big pieces? 
Go for any it. complaints. I, yeah, doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I, like I, like the next part I was excited about was uh, when you go to Fink's area. Yeah. Okay. So let's just distill Fitzroy's story pretty quickly, right? So Fitzroy was um, a chamber maid, whatever, at Comstock's place, and she knows about the whole thing with Elizabeth. And it's not really Comstock's daughter. Uh, Comstock. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Maury episode Steph- gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Comstock kills his wife because she's not going to shut up and blames it on Daisy, right? And she is cast out, and so she decides to start this rebellion, the Vox Populi, right? Yep. And really that I, whole— I, I understand why that the story was in there because, you know, it makes sense that if the Vox Populi, you know, was a movement that it should have, like, an origin and, like, a leader. Um, but but I, I agree with you that all in all it, you know— It didn't really go anywhere beyond that. I think to me, the whole purpose of the entire arc of that, because you go in and you do like the wounded knee thing and all that, they do give you some backstory on Booker. And then really it's like, okay, remember that race stuff that we started in the beginning? This is where we want to really make you feel it because it's all tied into that, right? It's about inequality, racism, classism, it's almost like a, a diatribe on, on you know, society, mm-hmm. right? And it's ills. Did you guys get anything else out of it besides, again, like little plot pieces? <laughs> Honestly, I, 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 I just feel it comes up only when somebody brings into the topic of race as an overarching theme for Bioshock Infinite. I never really think about that part of it as like the really mind-blowing idea or what was going on. It's just, hey, look, here's something to kind of tide the story over in the meantime. Yeah, here's this monumental amount. It's huge, right? It's a huge piece of the game. Um, Yeah, it's a a big part. So let's distill out a couple of big pieces. So um, the guy, whatever, the guy that you were in the Battle of Wounded Knee with and you had the choice to kill him or save him, uh, what did you guys do? Uh, Slate? I saved I, him, or I spared yeah, I, him. I, I saved him. Yeah, same. Uh, same here. I I spared him. Same, left him to and, rot. <laughs> and I spared him too. Okay, and you and, see and, him later, and, and not because because you know if you played Bioshock One, um, there were consequences. You know, you had a choice in each of the major areas to either you know kill or spare. Yeah. Uh, you know the leader in those areas. So like I uh I I knew that that was you know a thing they had done before. The reason I spared him had nothing to do with like like. Earlier, when you made the cage of the bird uh, uh, choice, I was consciously thinking about it in ter- in the uh, terms of a video game. Whereas this decision, it was just me looking at this guy, uh, old war buddy, you know, kind of gone, like got turned the wrong way, and I left him because I didn't think he deserved to die. It was nothing to do with the fact that it was a game. So I had both types of moments. And to me, I look at it. I looked at it. I went, "This guy's beaten, right? Yeah. I mean, the, there's no, yeah, there's nothing to gain here." Yep. Um, so, so same thing. So it was more of a human decision for you, right? Right. And you see him and, later and, on, right? It really didn't work out terribly <laughs> right. well for him. So, so, so let me let me make just a quick side point right here. Sure. This is the reason why I don't want to know the achievement list before I play the game, because if there is an achievement for choose one thing or the other, I don't want that influencing my decision at all. Okay. Can I put in how? When you see those achievement lists, it has like the ones that are regular and then like the hidden ones separated. So if you don't want to see the hidden right. ones, right? 
So yeah, like, no, I mean, if, if, it, if it was hidden, that would be a nice thing for the developer to do. I'm just not going to count on that being the case. I liked Heavy Rain for that. Every single achievement in the whole game was hidden because they were all choice related. Yeah, that's cool. So you'd have to go online to find out what they yeah. were. Okay, so um, really, because then you have the whole, I mean, you go through the whole thing, you have like the, the gun maker, right? And because the whole thing about the whole uh, Fitz, Fitzroy bit is that they want guns for the Vox Populi. Sure. So you go through the whole spiel of trying to get guns, and that's when the tear stuff kind of starts happening because you get to the first time, and it's like, oh, well, we can't really, like, the guy's dead, right? Like, yeah. crap, what do we, we do yeah, now? Th- this this is kind of when it started getting, not confusing for me, but when I started thinking, like, what what am I going to do? How am I going to use, you know, how am I going to get this done the right way? Right. So that's the first time when she really opens a tear into a completely different reality than the one you've mm-hmm. been in so far in the game, right? Yep. And she even tells you, it's like, look, there's no going back if I do this. And so that's it. You jump into this other reality at that point in time. And that's when you first discover these people that you just killed, but they're not dead. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. But they, they have these nosebleeds, and they're very confused about what's going on, right? Yep. And did anybody at that point in time, since they saw that, say, hey, wait a minute, back with Slade, I had a nosebleed. Mm-hmm. Oh, ab- absolutely, yeah. That's the first thing I thought no, was... I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started to wonder about the nosebleed when when I started seeing these guys getting the nosebleeds themselves. I'm like, the hell? <laughs> yeah. So, to me, that's basically the sign in the game that says you're in a dimension that you don't belong in, or this is not your home place or i guess i'm trying to figure out exactly what it's supposed to mean and i guess that's not even real maybe it's you're dead in one place and not in another is that it yeah it's supposed to be when you're right next to a a place where you're dead and your brain can't handle it because those guys are dead in the reality we just left hence why they're in this one they're all kinds of crazy and bleeding and kind of what's the word i'm looking for here kind of wispy if you will Kind of, kind of, I was just about to make a Time Cop reference, but I don't want to reference Time Cop in the same conversation <laughs> as Bioshock yeah, Infinite. But, but uh, that, that's one of the things that it made me think of is with you know the same matter occupying the same or similar space. Like it just it doesn't work that way. So here's my thing. Then kind of I just want to drop this in now, um, and why not? Is w- before you meet up with Elizabeth, and at any time when she's gone, when you die. You always go back to your house, and you have the knocking at the door, and you go to the door, right? So oh, you mean like like that that flash that like uh, yeah the, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. If if Elizabeth is alive and you die, she brings you back. But if Elizabeth's not right. around, you go back to that scene, you open the door, mm-hmm. and then you're back again. Right. So here's my question: Do, To you, is that a flashback or is that Basically, the Latisse is going back and getting another Booker. The latter. I'm going to say the the Latisse is going back and bringing you in. It just makes more I'm... sense on how many times they've tried to pull you through. Or, or the, the numbers on the back of the chalkboard, at least to me. And that's what so, I think, too. I don't rem- like So, when I died in this game, yeah. which, and I've, I've said before, I'm by no means like a champion player. So, I, I died a little bit. Um, 
you know, I remember, you know, kind of it going dark and then just like kind of being woken up by Elizabeth. I don't remember anything yeah, different than that. The only time happened. I ever died, and like I didn't die a lot, I found the game quite easy actually, was to, yeah, she'd like stick a needle in you or something and revive okay. you. If oh, you then. die when Elizabeth is not around, you wake up in your house back okay. in that original like thing. Your, like your, your, your office, you mean, yeah, right? Yes. You're in the okay. office, you push and, the door open on the way out. Right, yeah. and the door is being knocked at, and they're saying the return the girl and wipe the debt, you know, or whatever. Yep. And it's just knocking over and over, and the only choice you have to do is go open the door. Okay. And so to me, that's saying, okay, here's the whole thing starting all over again with another booker. Yeah, that's that's it sounds like it's be uh, right up the alley of what the game's trying to trying to do, uh, tell story wise. So I'm curious if, if neither of you saw that. So Bill, you said you're playing again. I, I am, yeah. I'm playing the second time. Uh, I actually really wanted to play the second time right after I finished, but it was it was pretty soon after the game came out. And my initial thought, because most games the DLC comes out pretty quickly, um, my initial thought was with the season pass that there'd be you know DLC coming out. So I said, well, let me wait for the DLC. So now come to find out, the only DLC that's out is like kind of like a challenge pack, and uh, the major DLC is not till next year. So I started my second playthrough, but I'm still pretty early. So do me a favor then, just so you can kind of witness it. When one time when Elizabeth is not with you, die. Gotcha. And you'll see. Yep, I'll I'll check it out. Okay. Uh, and maybe that's a testament of how not good at these games are. I, I died a lot, but um, so I got to. Uh, yeah, see I would those imagine scenes. that when she, I would imagine that when she's not around, they try not to make the combat too overwhelming because uh, I actually really like. I didn't find, like I thought if if someone explained to me the mechanic of oh she like throws things to you all the time and you got to press A to catch it like to me that kind of sounds like a little wonky and like a little weird but I didn't find it like that like in the middle of combat I actually kind of found it like uh, not to relate it back to movies again but like you know when you're watching a movie and someone's like I'm out and someone throws them ammo I thought it was kind of cool like in the middle of combat you know cuz with so many times when you're like escorting someone or you're protecting someone they're just a useless thing on the you know on the side of the the screen but to have her be like, yo, Booker, ammo, and then you press a key to catch it, and now you have more sniper ammo. I thought that was really Flavor cool. Flavor-wise, I like that. It, it really, yeah, it was interesting. But I think it was broken because I literally didn't have to go look for salts. She always had salts as soon as I was empty, <laughs> so it was like I had an infinite salt meter. Just about. And I think that's, again, good because they want you to really use it a lot. They want right. you to use it. Oh, okay. So, so, here, so what about this? Do you think that the fact that you weren't using a lot of different kinds of vigors – I do think the game is smart enough to be like, okay, why don't we give this guy more salt so he uses more vigors? I don't know. I, I think felt like they were doing that low. too. I felt like it was at that point they're going, you know, we're going to make you change things up. We're not going to make it so that you play your same yeah. style the whole time. We're going to throw you a curveball because I noticed that I was doing yeah. the same thing too. You know, and I started to think I, I, Yeah, I don't – I used a lot of vigors early on because I realized I was finding a lot of salts. I don't remember her ever throwing me salts. She always threw me ammo, and maybe it's just because I was using them so much. No, I got um, – I used salts the whole way through the game, and I got okay. pl- replenished with them by Elizabeth the whole way through the game. Me too. Oh, I, nice. used, I used vigors a lot, and she would toss me salt a lot. Did you guys do the Konami code at the title screen? <laughs> <laughs> no, I heard about that, but no. Yeah. You can do that? I thought you were joking. Yeah. That's a thing. <laughs> no, no, no. It unlocks uh, it unlocks uh, the hardest mode. Uh, so since you found the game too easy, go back and do the Konami code and play it on 1999. Uh, well, you don't have to because uh, it opens up after you beat the yeah, game. Yeah, I've got it open. Oh, that's there. right. That's that's right. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so anyway, again, we have this long story about um, Fitzroy, and you find out she's really not a very good person either, right? No. Um, no. She's a horrible human being. Um, I don't. I guess there's probably not a whole lot else to say. I mean, unless you guys want to talk about that storyline anymore. Not really. I mean, you kind of learn about the handyman and this guy and his wife and kind of how he became a handyman and uh, is but, now what was what, where was the first handyman it wasn't in fink's area that's just one of the ones i remember really well the first one you see is at the fair right but you can't i'm, I'm talking him. about the first the first encounter the that first encounter you, you get is when you're going to that chinese guy or whatever oh so so it isn't the, the fink area like where the uh um because when, yeah, when you factory, go down that big thing, elevator yeah. and uh that, another real quick scene to talk about how do you guys feel about the employment auction I like yeah. that. It was a nice little subtle thing to throw in oh, there. So it, it it showed you that it was kind of one of those one of the first moments where because this is a living breathing society, Colombia, and even though there's a lot of problems with it, it's I mean for the most part it's not it's not broken yet. Like Rapture was already broken when you got there. It's close, but it's not there yet. This was one of the things that at least to me said, okay, like this we're really close to breaking down because if you have people you know, fighting over, you know, how little they need to be paid. Yeah, for, it's uh, a like, reverse auction. Job. It's like yeah. a reverse auction for work. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. So, I mean, I, again, everyone who's listening to this has played the game, but it's the part where I'll do the job for 30 bucks. I'll do it for 25. I'll do it for 17. Right. And then, like, you know, the guy doesn't get the high, the, the winning bid, so he just beats the other guy up. Yeah. And then he takes the I job, com- and the guys running the auction are cool with it. I'm completely blanking here. Like, this does not sound like something I experienced. So so remember when you went down that huge elevator uh to the the Fink area? Yeah, I remember um, that. So so when you walk off the elevator, um there's an auction going on right in front of you and if you and if you don't stand there and listen to it and watch what's going on, I mean the game doesn't force you to. So you would have to have, you know, like stood there and listened okay, to it. Okay, maybe I just walked um, past it then. Uh, it's possible, yeah, but it's it's a really interesting little reverse auction where like the guy's like, okay, like we need someone to retar the roof, and like there's like five people out there, and he's like, I'll do yeah. it for fifty bucks, fifty. Do I hear forty five? Weren't they yeah. weren't they betting or or auctioning with hours though? Weren't they saying oh, that's like, true. It was like I'll that's do seven right. hours? No, I'll do six and a half. No, okay, right, yeah. right, right. That's yeah. Right. I knew it was a reverse uh, auction. It, you're right. It was time. Right. Okay, so I mean that whole thing you're just you're spending a whole lot of time trying to get this Chinese arms maker back to life and again you deal with the him existing in kind of two planes at the same time and he's confused and and then you get like the two different wives because you keep dimension hopping to try to find a way to get him in the same place with his stuff and build you weapons. See that's where Duke goes back to the rocket thing like he's he's married to a different woman so obviously things can change between these different times so why can't they have rocket technology in one dimension and not the next? Maybe they can. That's fine. I, I won't be too much on that <laughs> rocket thing anymore. Um, I would just think if they had one, why wouldn't they have a bunch? But anyway, uh, we'll yeah. move on. The The next I mean, big piece you go through again is eventually you see um, Daisy and she's going to kill a kid, right? Hmm. And that's when Elizabeth gets really involved the first time. Because so far she's just been kind of with you and she's been kind of seeing everything, but this is the first time where she's got to get her hands dirty, right? So she's like, here, you distract him, and then she sneaks around and she kills Fitzroy, right? 
Yeah, I was I was actually wondering if I was going to have to make that decision because the more you learn about Daisy, it's like, you know, I don't want to I really hate to, you know, be murdering everybody, but like this isn't a person you want to have around. Um but I was actually uh surprised that uh like when when Elizabeth makes that decision and it's also isn't that the turning point when you realize uh cuz I remember like looking at Elizabeth on the cover of the game and in all the press material and she has one hairstyle. Yeah. And then in the game, she doesn't have that. And then at the turning point when that happens and you're like, oh, <laughs> she just had a uh, crazy moment and uh, did that herself. I think there's a point where you get separated in there somewhere. And when you come back together, she's a little disheveled. Right? Yeah, right. it's right It's right after she stabs uh, Daisy. Okay. She yep. kind of goes, yep. they, they get onto the airship. She runs off. She goes into right. the bathroom yep. and locks herself in there and then comes out. Yep. She says, this was the only thing they had in there. And she's wearing the... You know the Comstocks. bodice and all that stuff. Lady Comstock's yeah. clothes. Yeah, yeah. I I thought that was a really uh, like poignant moment as far as like you know with 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 you know, her being really affected with you know making that decision, but then immediately after making that decision, you know, it's it's like that that uh, like you know cutting all your hair off, like especially for for a woman, like it's 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 a big deal. So I remember just thinking about like how she must be feeling to just need to make that change. Right. Right. Um, okay, so what you eventually get around to is all that crazy junk you went through had no point whatsoever. Because, I mean, you don't get the arms to Daisy. You just end up killing her. And then really it was just, again, didn't matter a whole lot, even though it just kind of filled in some plot holes as you went right. through. And then... Um, songbird attacks. Yeah, that's right. So Songbird and Songbird takes... Elizabeth away, right? Is there anything else that I'm missing? It's pretty much it, right? You you forgot uh, that Booker is a superhero because Songbird throws him through a building and he's fine after. <laughs> <laughs> well, Some you figures. know, uh, he was he he was already dead in that dimension, <laughs> so you know, because he was like the hero of the Vox Populi that was dead or whatever. So maybe he couldn't be killed twice in the same. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he does, but. Then you get that whole big, isn't that the, where you get the whole big piece that you eventually end up with future Elizabeth, right? Right. Well, that's that's where like a lot of the like uh, like the founding of the city and kind of like the like you know like the the man behind the curtain stuff. Like you start to see like you start to see a bunch of the things that like don't make sense. Like Elizabeth sees stuff and they're like, but how how could this be? Like this isn't the way it is. So like you start to realize that like the the foundation of the city is like starting to unravel right um but eventually through this whole piece you end up with you know a shadowy figure and you get to it and it's future elizabeth right and this nightmare that you had early in the earlier in the game this is it right it's these airships attacking um new york and it's this big battle and she basically says, oh, I used all my power I could to get you here to go back and stop whatever it is, right? Right. Well, I, I, I saw it, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I saw it as, um, because you know when, like, you, when you when you go, finally go to find her and she kind of, like, you know, pulls you up onto this ledge? Yeah. Right? And then that's when you see everything. And um, so it's it's like no matter what you tried to do to rescue her, songbird wasn't going to let it happen like right. it, there was just no way it was going to happen with songbird around so she eventually uh 
you know, she becomes kind of like the, the boss and she ends up, you know, bringing that war down to the surface world. So I think it's more I think it's really her like the part of her that, that you know, knew this. She didn't want this to happen, like trying to like tell him, you know, with as long as Songbird's around, this is what we're going to deal with. So you need to change this. Well, and she even kind of says she's like, you know, do you know what broke me? Right. It And it was it was the the time. Right. I mean, it was this. You know what I mean? Again, like this loss of hope, right? That he could never get to her. Right. Um, oh, that you're right, right, right. Yeah, the line, like, like you know what did it? Like, it was, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Right. Where she kind of explains what beat her down and got her to that point. As Right, which, yeah. Um, but she's figured that out. Because she's, you know, she had fulfilled the mission of Comstock, and she saw what, what, the, what that end was all about. So she gives you the information that doesn't make any sense at the time, but will, and then sends you back, and then you get to rescue her um, from these scientists that are doing all these horrible things to her, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and there's probably not a whole lot else to say other than it's like a lot of creepy parts to get there. Like, what are those like guys with like the big horns on their heads <laughs> and like the weird the lunatics the, like to giant the alarms? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. and with like the weird founding father oh, guys. Oh yeah, like the, yeah, the, the like the the horn hit like it, all of a sudden like you have Silent Hill enemies. Yeah, like it was really creepy. And like the first time, like it took me like just a couple tries to realize like you know, oh they hear and or see me and they wake up everyone in the world. So it, it took me a minute to realize, oh okay, this is the stealth uh, portion. But yeah, like really? it, you it can was, stealth that. Were... Yeah, oh, yeah, I fought can, every single one can, of them. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry yeah. for you. I'd, and and this goes to show how good Krabby is at games. Like I didn't find this game overly difficult. So, but no, these guys. But uh, Krabby, remember Metal Weird One? Say that again. You have your Metal Weird Solid One. I didn't play Metal Gear very much. So you have your co- you have your cone of vision, yeah, right? So th- these guys have a cone, and I think it's illuminated, right? Yeah, it's like, no, that's, what I, that's what I felt like yeah. it was, but then. Uh... I, I tried to like sneak up behind them and kill them. I guess was I just supposed to sneak into the next room? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Just, just thought I was supposed them. to like sneak behind them and then like use right. my you know like <laughs> grappling hook thing to cut them open or whatever. Yeah, you use your crisis to assassinate yeah. ability. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, so yeah, so you could get like, as long as they didn't see you, they wouldn't sound the alarm. So you could sneak through that entire area. But there were a handful <laughs> of like really good treasures if you like took the time to go find them. Right. Um. But yeah, they they were actually. Uh, I forgot how creepy they were. That whole asylum area. Yeah, no, I fought like four of them in a row. Yeah. It's a very disturbing area. The sounds and the scenery. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you remember that one part where you walk in that room and all of a sudden that wheelchair rolls out with the head in it? Yep. Wow. I just thought about that part. And I actually thought, like, not that it wasn't difficult getting up there, because I'm not good at video games, but you know when you get up to the very top, like, where Elizabeth is, like, there's kind of two rooms, like, kind of parallel to each other. Like, one has her, right. and the other is just kind of just like the other one. I remember getting all the way up there, and there were at least a few Patriots to fight in that area. Yeah. Um, I actually kind of, not that I thought it was easy, but I remember thinking there was going to be something else. Like, I was going to get to her. And then something would happen, but I remember just kind of being like, "Oh, that's it. Okay, like we're good. Like now we can go." Okay, so you rescue Elizabeth, right? And she's like hooked up to this machine, and it's very yep. kind of gruesome. But she Matrix says, "Just, style. just do it," right? 
And so you just, you know, you disconnect her and you can just tell it's taken this toll. Because it's been, it hasn't been for like you where it's just been like a small amount of time. Didn't it's been it was like six months or something? Six months, yeah. Yeah. Because she looks exhausted out of her mind. She, yeah. You could see the bags under her eyes and you could see the scars that she has. Yeah. Right. She's endured this just torture um, for a long period of time. And yeah, she's got this really haggard look like and she and her disposition has changed a lot too right um kind of our understanding of what needs to be done i think that's where it kind of starts turning into that okay we just have to take out comstock right right they they and that's when they go after the airship i think right yeah you kind of work your way towards basically like then like okay we need to go have this showdown with comstock um and is there anything else really exciting to talk about until we actually get to Comstock. Um, what about her mother? Missing? The ghost thing. You gotta like. Uh... Yeah, okay. the cemetery was was a weird combat area. Okay, so you have to basically revive the ghost of Lady Comstock. Um, at this point, and the, the the point was like really pathetic, right? Because it was just getting into like the Comstock house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's way before even like a lot of the stuff we just talked about, but. Right, yeah, it's kind of like the, yeah, it's, kind of, it's it's kind of the working up to it, and like that. I remember like walking through, and and like this, that was the only time to me that I really felt that it was almost like kind of like the way Rapture was when you first got to it. Like now, when you're walking around trying to get in the Comstock Mansion, it's kind of like at that level of destruction, and like you know, pieces of buildings are blasted open and floating in weird ways. There were a couple of interesting Vox phones in that area that dealt with why the music uh, came from the eighties. Right. Um, but right. yeah, but besides yeah, that's besides right. I found the my Cindy uh, Lauper jams. There you go. <laughs> Tears for fears. And there. Yeah. I like the shiny happy people. That was my favorite. I missed one. a lo- all of these, man. <laughs> was I just not exploring enough? I thought I was. Welcome to your life. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, so I guess yeah, we skipped that. But I mean, really, the whole Lady Comstock bit is. Again, to me, it felt like just one giant filler to kind of, again, shop you around the world, right? They wanted to show you the world. We have to give you a reason to run through it a bunch of times. It, it just seemed like yeah. an, a, an exceptionally long and unnecessary story development, which and it was a small story development. It was a very, very yeah. long way of saying that Elizabeth is not Lady Comstock's daughter. That was it. It, it was like right. the and, Fitzroy and, thing. Like It felt really important at the time, but then afterwards, looking back, you're like, oh. You know, that didn't accomplish anything. Right. And how many times did you have to fight three Lady Comstock? <laughs> oh, God. After a while, you're like, oh, come on, really? Um. Anyway, though, that, you know, again, not too consequential. Yeah, like you said, it's the big part you learn about. And there's these weird couple of voxophones about, like, some, and it's the same one, like, a long time ago, like, this weird girl or something that wants to be a pen pal with everybody. Did you guys pick up on those? No. I have, oh, to, that, I have to. That one I missed. Okay, there's a couple voxophones, like one early on that's basically like this little girl or something, and she wants to be pen pals with Elizabeth because she thinks like, oh, you know, she's all the way in this tower or whatever. And then like I think the same girl has like this same sort of thing like with Lady Comstock or something. I, It's weird. I don't really know where that fit into the story, but anyway. You know, we also overlooked the song that they, they sing when they're in the uh... – during the Fitzroy thing, that that one moment, did anybody else take the time to pick up the guitar and start playing the song? Yeah, right, right. I remember that part, but 
It was just a weird well, song. I mean, it wasn't really any point to it, was there? No. It Wait, was are, just... are you ta- are you talking about when you pick up the guitar and then the two you just play while she hands the apple to the kid? Yes, yeah, yeah. you can play a guitar I, after getting stabbed through the hand. Essentially, yeah. well, I didn't get I didn't, I didn't get stabbed through the hand, so I don't know. I didn't well, even. I was, I, I was able to. So <laughs> I was I was proactive in that. Situation. I really felt like because you you wanted me to explore this world and kind of get soaked in it. I was I thought I was exploring, but I feel like I still missed a lot. <laughs> You guys Maybe. are mentioning all it's, these yeah. things that I, I don't, I didn't pick up on. That. And you, you know what's amazing to me is the uh, is is that song. I remember, you know, like you pick up the guitar, and this is another one of those times when the game kind of takes control for you, and like you know, you take the guitar, she's singing, and I I just felt like it was such such a beautiful and moving moment, and like really, it has nothing to do with like you know like the story or like the way things go one way or the other, but it was just a beautiful little piece that just you know just kind of happened spontaneously in the in the world and then you keep moving on and what was so striking to me was how different it was when you're watching the ending credits and you see them kind of rehearsing it as the as the actors yeah i it, i didn't think it was anywhere near as good as what was in the game and what i loved was uh you know because they're just playing it like a regular song and then you know ken's standing there watching and then event, and then when they're finished or when you know uh, uh, you know they just stop playing or like have some you know suggestions for each other Ken says okay I don't want this to sound like you guys know each other and know the song like I want it to sound kind of like you're figuring it out or figuring each other out so just just his direction with that little piece he destroyed in a good way uh, just emotionally that that entire uh, that entire scene I thought was brilliant and I just love how it's a song that's Asking them, like, will the circle be unbroken? And, and when you go back and you think about that, knowing the end of the game, you're just sitting there going, holy crap, okay. So yeah. they're actually making up a song on the fly, just singing it along, not knowing each other. They just happen to know it, and it's a song that happens to be about the whole, when is this going to stop? What's it going to take to finally make it stop? And they're not quite sure at that point in the story that that's what needs to be done, that you know, how the ending comes up, but we'll get into that later, I guess. <laughs> Sounds really important. I'm kind of annoyed that I missed it. Uh, it's it's a really beautiful, poignant moment. I will have to say, I mean, overall, I did care a lot about the Elizabeth character. Um, since you Booker, uh, I, you know, whatever. Since you bring that up, yeah. out of all the Bioshock games, the only character I've ever cared even slightly about is Elizabeth. I feel like everybody else's throwaway just because of how little you actually interact with any of them. Because she's the first character outside of the the protagonists that actually has some development and isn't just a voice on a radio mm-hmm. or over a loudspeaker at you. In in the first two in the first BioShock definitely, it was more about experiencing the world and the story that it was trying to relate about your relationship with the the big bad yeah in this one you're finding out how all this connects with elizabeth and then subsequently how it connects with you and that's why it matters why she has to be important and better developed than any other character that's been made in a bioshock absolutely and i think that was the one thing that grounded me a little more in this game or i guess a lot more in this game than the other two is she she kind of pulled me into this world more. I, I didn't feel that connection with the other worlds, whereas I had a little bit more of that with Elizabeth. It made you care about wanting to get this done, right? I mean, you said, okay, yeah, you do. You want to do this for Elizabeth. 
Um, okay, so do we? I think we've kind of caught back up to towards the end, at least, at least, hopefully. Um, I think there's some other little Latisse bits and pieces that are in there, but really just more of just you learn that, oh, they hop around very quickly, right? And they kind of understand what's going on behind the scenes. And they creep oh, away and show up with pianos and stuff. Oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> we do learn well, about their it's... experiments, though. Right. And, and, it's, and it's not just that they're hopping around. They... Uh they exist in in all these different worlds um and uh so in, in a nutshell what happens is uh the lutesses who you know they're 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 uh they're working for for comstock in the beginning mm -hmm. um but eventually they uh they don't want to be involved anymore and mm -hmm. it's it's you know and that's it's not something you know if you're if you're comstock like you can't let them walk away right. from this so um eventually uh an attempt is made on the lutess on the lutesses uh, lives and it's unsuccessful. But what happens is, I think he contracts Fink to try to kill them. And what Fink does is he tries to like overload or destroy their machine like yeah. while they're using it. Yeah, and instead of right, and instead of killing them, it kind of like uh, like multiplies and generates them in all the throughout all these different tears. So they kind of exist in all the realities. This is another big plot point I completely missed. Yeah, you get all that. That's yeah. during yeah. the Lady Comstock stuff. Yeah, they she they even isn't there a, a voxophone or some sort of video phone where it shows uh, that the Lady Latisse introduces her brother, and they kind of make this weird emphasis on the word brother when it actually turns out that he is her from an alternate reality, and they're actually just the same person, just of a different right. gender. And right. That that's why, like every time they mention her as the brother, it's always like, oh, her brother. Like he is, you know. After all, he is my no. She calls him a. After all, he is my twin, and they don't mean twin as in brother and sister twins. Like it is a twin version of her. Right. And they. This seems important. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And they do that one part. Remember, they talked with they uh, talk with a photographer. And there's the top photographer saying, oh, I remember I took your death, your whatever, you know, your photos when you were mm -hmm. dead or whatever. And they were like, oh, yeah, you managed to do a horrible job or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. And they're just basically slamming him, you know, meaning, again, that they're in multiple dimensions. They can kind of bounce around a little bit. Um, yeah. So you kind of, yeah, you do pick some of that stuff up because, yeah, you see they're – their place where the experiments are because you have those tears that you kind of go through and you hear you hear the stuff going on. You can't see it, right? But you can hear it. Right. Uh, there, uh, there's so many things and there's there's such a depth uh, to to like how like transdimensional storytelling. Like it just it's it's mind numbing to think about it. And to me, it's ju it's just so impressive how it all fits together. Uh, like there are like you said, there are a handful of pieces that are like well. You don't really need this for the story to work. They just kind of threw it in for like a side explanation type thing. But when when I look at the core story and how everything fits together, it's it's still one of my favorite story uh, gaming experiences. Yeah. Okay, so um, you get to the end and then you get the big airship battles and you get to the big ship uh, where Comstock ship, right? And you have, of course, lots of fights to get to Comstock. And eventually yep. you do. You get to confront Comstock and... You first, you kind of notice there's like this model of the um, place where Elizabeth originally was, right? 
Right. And it's kind of, you can see like a diagram. Oh, here's the part where she was at. And then here's the amp, whatever, the, the siphon, right? You see like the siphon. And then there's like the panels that show the events of everything in the background, right? Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see, oh, wait, here's like the whole story of everything right in front of me. Obviously, this has been there for a while. And again, you kind of notice that because you learn that Comstock, because of this machine, also could see into the future. Not really, because he could just look through these other dimensions. Real and, quick, did anybody yeah. else notice when you're when you're trying to make your way up to where Comstock is in the battle, he kind of jabs at you by going, you always had did have a knack for self-destruction. He, he announces that over the speakerphone to you as you're making your way up there. And I just... When I went back and played that part after knowing the end, I was like, "Wow!" Even even that yeah. subtle little nudge there was pretty right. outstanding. I'm um, I'm sure I didn't pick up on it, and I'm sure it's a, it's another example of one of those tiny little things that uh, like it's. I don't want to. I'm not going to make the comparison, but it's <laughs> an, it's just another one of those things that after you know, uh, it's 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 so cool finding those things knowing what the story actually is i thought so that sure. was just like a reference to like uh him not taking the baptism or the battle of wounded knee or something i didn't put that together with the with the overall story well there's even like a couple of those vox phones like there's one of the earlier ones like right towards the very beginning where there's the one that's like comstock's um biographer and he's saying well i don't know how he expects me to write this biography of him you know there's i, I can't find any information before basically the baptism on Comstock, <laughs> right? Like he's basically this oh, guy didn't it. exist. <laughs> yeah, um, and of course at the time you're like, okay, whatever. Why does that matter? And then you right. you hear like very late on that one from Comstock where he says basically what happens to the other man during you know when the new man is born from the baptism, what happens to the old right. man? Does he exist in some other dimension? Right. Speaking of the old man versus new man, real side quick thing. Did it bother anybody else that Comstock was played by a different voice actor? Uh, it it didn't uh, to me anyway. Like I remember, like once I found out what the story was, my first thought was uh, like, oh, like they, I mean, they didn't sound enough alike for me to put it together. I would have been more upset if I realized why do they sound exactly alike, and then it would be you know more like easier to put together. Um, I actually didn't realize they weren't the same voice actor. I hadn't looked it up. Well, this Comstock, because of Booker getting pulled into that reality, is like 20-something years older. Right. So he would have a different voice, right? Because he's an old man now. Well, we've we've learned from The Last of Us that we know that uh, Troy Baker can definitely do an older man's voice. He's going to be the Joker in uh, Batman 2, so he's got some range to him. Yeah. I don't know. Just saying. Sure. Um, but the, but then you got uh, uh, David Hader. He's out as Snake. <laughs> All right. So anyway, you go in and you finally meet up with Comstock, and he's kind of a little buddy buddy. He's not like, oh hey, you know Elizabeth, yeah. and he's really kind of friendly. A- yeah. And then he launches into that diatribe where he's kind of like, you know, I've tried to kill you. I've thrown all this stuff at you, and I finally realized that all I had to do was just tell the truth. Right? Right. And then really before you can do, if, before he gets a chance to talk, y- you smash his brains in. Uh, yeah, this this was not the way I saw this encounter happening, is you strangling and drowning Comstock. 
yeah. without really without really getting any information. And I almost wonder if it's because if it was if it was for the sake of the storytelling, because the way that this is finally revealed to you in those, you know, that ending sequence, I think has obviously like a much bigger impact than if Father Comstock just told you. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm sure it was a storytelling mechanic, but yeah, it definitely was not it's the way you kind of envisioned you, that happening. You thought, they, I think there could have been a more, it didn't necessarily have to be subtle, but I can't think of a better word way to eliminate Comstock so that you wouldn't I have think, that info. I think it was absolutely necessary because think of it this way. The entire time the the Latices have been trying to create this story in Booker's head that he's just some guy there trying to capture this girl, bring her back, it wipes away his debt. We don't know what his debt is and so subsequently he doesn't. It's just a story he's created. But he comes to get to know Elizabeth and he comes to want to take care of her and protect her as if he were a father figure. And we know through the entirety of the spoilers, you know, that <laughs> he is the the father of Elizabeth. But it's been buried underneath so many layers of what's the word? Uh, suggestive uh I can't really basically under numerous layers of suggestion that he is just some guy there to pick up her but underneath it all he under he feels it and remembers that Elizabeth is his daughter and he's responding so angrily because this man Comstock seems so separated from how his daughter has suffered that he's just lashing out and he's actually hitting himself somewhere inside he knows that he and Comstock are one and the same and he doesn't want to hear this truth because he doesn't want to admit this truth and he knows this truth so he lashes out bashing him in because he doesn't want to admit it hence why he's accepted this reality that he's in that he's just a guy trying to bring this girl back to wipe away a debt when underneath it all he knows what Comstock's gonna say so if you, that's if, why he does it if you think he knows at this point then are we supposed to know as a player at this point I don't no, think no. no. He doesn't. I, 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 yeah, I think his knowledge is he not doesn't, conscious. Yeah, right. It's on a subconscious level. Okay, there, exactly. There's that yeah. part where I'm having to disconnect with the first person again because I feel like I'm supposed to be this guy, but he's got information I don't have, even well, if it's subconscious. The, he's got, he, it's the same thing because you, as him, he doesn't know he knows this stuff. It's subconscious in the back of his head. So if he doesn't know it. Neither would we until it's better explained by Elizabeth later. We just know that we're lashing out against Comstock, and we're not quite sure why. And then we're kind of making that decision, not decision, but that assumption later on once we figure out, oh, crap, I've been, I, I just lashed out against myself because I hate myself. That's why I did it, and I didn't want to hear the truth. Well, That's how I approach it, at least. Did, did anybody, want, because like right before you finally cave the guy's head in and drown him, He's he basically like, why don't you tell her about her finger, right? And then all of a sudden, that's where you kind of, hey, you know, and you bang, bang, and he's dead. And things start to go awry. I mean, did anybody else at that point in time just have this horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach? Like, oh, no. You know what I mean? I did, but not. Something something is horribly wrong. Yeah, I just like, yeah, it's like something is horribly wrong. Right. I had that feeling that and, it was and, a deja yeah. vu back to the first Bioshock. I know I mentioned it to Bill and Duke. When I played that one, we got to the the big reveal at the end where he says, uh, thank you kindly. Is that the one? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm, I was so new to first-person shooters at the time that I missed almost all of those throughout the whole game. So I'm like, 
was I supposed what's that supposed to mean like it didn't click with me was the finger something I was supposed to know about before that point in the game yes I did not she talks she talks very early on just about like how she's got this thimble on her finger I had that feeling like I had missed a huge plot point again like I did in the first Bioshock it wasn't it wasn't a big deal no, yeah, there were, like, you don't know the history of, of the, like, all you know, like, you know, he says, like, you know, what's with the finger? And she's like, oh, I've always had it. Um, so you, that's, that is a big reveal, like, at the, uh, during the ending sequence, um, which uh, I, uh, I remember, it beautifully directed, I remember losing my breath when that happened. Yeah. And uh, let's, when, and let's when, save that. Oh, let's save that. Man. Right. So, so, so good. Right. But there is times like during the thing where she talks about the thimble okay, on her finger. So this is my deficiency then. I, this is I like just me missing out on things that came up during the story I should have been paying more attention to. Yeah. No, this, there. This, this was just something that was implied that you know something about it. Okay. I think. Um, well, I mean, you know about the finger. I didn't you until that why. point in the game. Okay. Yeah. You do get told that oh, yeah. she, something's wrong yeah, with her they, finger. Yeah. They had definitely had a conversation, uh, uh, you know, like in one of those story, not cutscenes, but like when the, you know, when the when the game takes control, they're of like the two hanging on the lip or something or the elevator. Yeah, and like, and he and he I mentions think it's like back it around she, like the beach or something. It's way back. Yeah, it's it's very early. Yeah, yeah, completely um, over my head. It's okay. So again, though, I had like this horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach because all of a sudden she's like, tell you know, you know, look at you in horror. First off, that you did this. And mm-hmm. and this like you know what is it you know like what do you what do you have to tell me and your guy's like I just I don't know I don't know what you're talking about right and she doesn't trust you all of a sudden and then you really don't get a chance to go too much farther into that because that's when the vox populi attack right right mm-hmm. so the vox populi yeah, attack the, you but, have the giant but, but fight you fought, but you right and then. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's a, a little bit of, a, I don't want to say like strategy, but like a little bit of a different type of battle because you're kind of, you have control over some things that you haven't had before. Right. Yeah. Because that's when the part where you, oh, I was supposed to give you this note. And you look at the note. No, it's a cage. What does that mean? And then, oh, it's the note, C A G E, you know, and you play the yeah. thing and the songbird comes and you control the songbird. Before right. we get um, to the battle, can you guys explain to me why there was Comstock heads and like containers with guys that look like Comstock all around the airship? They look like they I were like was... statues or models or something, but they were like all over the place. I, Are those I think not the Patriots? There were Patriot ones as well. I so I think they were just for like like the mechanical stuff, like you know he. he he was putting himself up there with, you know, like the founding fathers because oh, there was a lot so of he, the different ones in there. Make, right? Like a Comstock version of the George Washington mechanic. I think so. I mean, that's kind of what I got from it anyway. Okay. Um, they're just like supplies, right? That's, yeah, that's what I thought too. But I was wondering if I missed something again because I never actually saw like a functional one walking around shooting at me. Yeah. No, I don't think. I don't think there was. Wasn't there something in one of those rooms though? I want to say there was something in one of those rooms that was built or something like that. Um, and I can't remember now. I want to say you saw something. Uh, anyway, I can't remember. I can't remember now either. The um, So anyway, yeah, you've got Songbird, and you can direct Songbird, and you have to defeat the Vox Populi blimps. And again, big battle royale, end of the game, right? You know, okay, this is it. 
Right. <laughs> Not, I mean, it's kind of cool, but nothing too exciting to me. It was kind of like just pain in the butt, really. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know it was a final battle when it was happening. I, I thought there was more after it. Right. Oh. Well, see, I kind of figured, like, oh, Comstock's dead. What else can there be, right? I mean, it's got to end. So, um, anyway, you defeat the Vox Populi, and that's when things hit Weirdoville, right? Um, because then it's like, okay, she says, well, you know, I, I'm going to destroy the siphon. Because mm-hmm. there, you can't stop, you know, kind of what's... Because she starts to kind of go, you know, all right, well... We need to destroy the siphon and kind of let her loose. Because what's the deal, right? She needs to do something or use her powers. Why right. is it? Well, right, yeah, because the, because the, remember, because uh, uh, if 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 they don't change the the way that things are going, like by like just not just escaping the songbird, but changing like the the course of her of her future, um, she's then uh, she thinks that that uh, like the attack the night she's going to take over. Thing. Right, and then the 1983 attack on the surface world is going to happen. Okay, yeah, because he explains that to her when he gives her the piece of paper, right? Like, this is what right. I saw, and this is where it's going, and I talked to you, yep. blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yep. So, so, yeah, so she doesn't actually, like, the, the, the current Elizabeth doesn't actually know that, but you're telling her, like, this is where it's going, this is what we have to do. Right, right. So she destroys the siphon, mm-hmm. and... Um, she goes all Jean Grey Phoenix style. And... You know, yep. Glowing yeah. superpower. Right, and that's the thing, because like when that happens, um, you drop the flute thing, so you can't control Songbird anymore, and you're like basically yep. like, uh oh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, I lost the thing. We're gonna, you know, because yep. the Songbird's yep. coming, and then all of a sudden she just is like, okay, this is no problem, and basically just, you know, waves her hand, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're in rapture, right? Well, well yes, yeah, she opens a tear, uh-huh. and then you and and then you're uh, you're in a bathysphere, right? No, you're in a room, right? Because all of a sudden, oh, that's right, oh. right, that's right. You end up in the bathysphere, right? right. All so, of a sudden, so you're in the you room. In the, yeah, go ahead. You're in the room, and uh, and Songbird is is out, like who's kind of coming towards you, who made it through the tear with you, yes. but didn't make it inside the room. So, um, uh, and you see uh, Songbird's uh, like mechanical eye. You see it start to like crack and break. So what I took from that was uh, was the uh, uh, the pressure right. crushed and destroyed Songbird. And mm-hmm. you kind of saw some of that before, like because at the beach scene, remember when Songbird got in the water chasing after you? He kind of started to crack and then he took off. Right. right. So, and she is very calm. I mean, she's almost like because again, it's like this is a part of her, and they somehow still have like a relationship because she and, says and it's okay, it... it's okay. Right. Right. I think at this point, like it, it's almost to me like a switch almost went off in her because at this point she almost seems like she understands everything. Um, and and that's one of the pieces that like I you know couldn't couldn't say like why you know that switch got turned, but it's almost like she immediately understands like okay, now she gets it. She's put it together. Book like now I need to show you like what this all is. Well, it's because the siphon was used to kind of block her power it was it was meant oh, to kind of right. it, it, think of you're it right. like a, a hose you know her power is so is going through at such a strong rate and someone pinches that so it only leaks mm-hmm. out a little bit she can only do you know some tears here and there but by destroying the siphon it's like full blast power right. she's got going on and basically she can you. see through all the realities kind of at once all of a sudden right she basically yeah, becomes right. like omnipotent almost at once Right? Kind of, yeah. Well, Almost I guess not omnipotent. Omniscient would be the 
the word, right? Yep. So she yeah. kind of knows everything and sees everything very clearly. And did it take you a second? Like, as soon as you realize, like, oh, crap, I'm in rap- rapture, you know what I mean? Did you just well, stop well, for a the- minute and kind of go... Uh, yeah, Whoa. absolutely. One, one of the one of the comments that someone had made when the game was first announced, and it was kind of showing what the setting is and everything, and uh, there were a handful of people saying, "Okay, like, I get that it's this a similar type of game. I get that it's you know there are probably like powers and it's the same gameplay, but I mean, does this game even have to be called Bioshock?" And and I I remember agreeing with that, like, yeah, like it, it kind of does, and it could be the same designer, it could be this, and I remember this being the moment where I kind of realized not only is this a Bioshock game, but then a few minutes later, there's all of a sudden, it makes all the sense in the world why it's called Infinite. Right. So, okay. So, <laughs> I mean, to me, as soon as that happened, she's like, come on. You know, she's like not even excited or anything. She's like, just come with me. Come here. Yep. Did you take a little while and just look around? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, I mean, I j- took some time. I really explored a little bit. And then you go down the hallway, and there's, like, the gatherer's garden machine. And then you end up going, obviously, towards the bathosphere. And that was the point where Bioshock 1 started, basically. Right? That's that same room. And that's the same bathosphere that Jack got out of, right? Basically? Yep. Mm-hmm. But it has to be at some other point in time because, you know, you can still take it up, right? It wasn't locked down because you couldn't go back up, right? Um, so maybe this is at some point after Jack or right before him or something. Who knows from the first game? I mean, I don't know. Maybe someone's done more research and they know better than I do. But um, basically, they sh- and then there's 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 another conspiracy theory that kind of. That kind of involves this. Have you guys heard that one? Well, let's save crazy talk for a minute when we kind of wrap the story. And then I want to get into some other oddities, too. Um, okay, so they take the bathosphere up. Um, and then that's where she looks at the stars and basically says you know, they're all like doors, right? Tears. And leads you right. through the um, lighthouse door that you started the game in. And then you see, like, all the lighthouses and the other ones of yourself doing the same thing, right? Right. And through that whole thing, she's really kind of talking about how everything, how connected everything is. And it's just all this, uh, you know, the same. And and that one part that always hit me uh, that I think we'll probably come back and touch on a minute is that part where she goes... There's always a man, there's always a lighthouse, there's always a city. Right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, you you keep going, and I mean, we could spend too much time. So you end up with the um, at the baptismal, and that's when, you know, you're like, oh, do you want, you know, still exploring this? And he's like, yeah, and he wants to. And then all of a sudden he changes his mind, just like he did then, originally. That's how you're kind of... You're kind of learning at that point that he was there, he was at the baptismal, and he said no back then, right? Well, yeah, you, yeah in one of the... Well, Booker Right, did, in yeah. one of the instances, yeah. Right, that's what I'm saying. That's when you really learn that Booker was there, and this happened in his past. Right. And then you get to see 
back to the house where everything started and the Latisse coming, asking for the baby, and he you have to hand the baby over. And then you get to see, oh, but you changed your mind and you chased him. And there's mm-hmm. you run up and there's Latisse and Comstock with the baby. And there's the tear with the other Latisse on the other side, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that's the whole thing, right? The, the male Latisse was in the same reality that Booker was in with the baby. And the other Latisse was in the other reality where Comstock was wanting a baby and that's how they first got together right because you see him like i don't want to come over and she's like you gotta just just come over it's not gonna last long and he's like no i don't know think it's a good idea right right so that's how they first got together is the same time when comstock takes the baby that's why comstock did this whole doggone thing in the first place right well right because the uh because he he wanted a child, and all the experiments with all the uh, with all the machinery uh, made him not able to have a child. So using the uh, you know the ability that they had to go through the tears, um, he finds you know the the alternate reality uh, version of him uh, and his daughter, and that's you know the daughter he wants because he knows it's the closest thing to his own daughter. Right, and the the lady Latisse wants to get in on the deal because she wants her twin to come across too, and that's right. that's her agency, right? Because at first they're just talking, and so she's got her alternate self in that other reality to do the dirty work, and then mm-hmm. come meet her, and and then that's when you see that point, right, where they're going through the tear and then with the finger, right? Right, and then Booker, you know, tries to tries to stop it and. Uh, again, the way that scene was directed, when it when it goes super slow motion, and you see the hand reaching out and the tear closing, and that tiny piece of finger in super slow motion falling, and the way the music stops, uh, it's it was very powerful for me. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it really hit you pretty hard. In kind of that despair, right? And you starting to get into this panic of him, and then. You kind of go back to that where you see how the Latisses actually brought him over into the other reality. Because 20 years or whatever, they said, you sit there in that house all by yourself and punish yourself for 20 years. Mm. Um, but the Latisses go back and basically grab him before he's sat in there for 20 years or whatever, right? They go back pretty early and grab him. Mm-hmm. Um but it's after some period of time. I don't know if it's the full 20 years or whatever, because he's carved this into his hand. And they say, oh, look, they kind of comment on that, like, oh, is this some sort of penance or something? Mm-hmm. And they take you back again to the very beginning with the rowboat scene. Right? And this this time they're a little bit more communicative with him. They They seem to, it almost seems like their same conversation they were having in the past now involves Elizabeth, doesn't it? In the rowboat? Yeah, because I think now Elizabeth is on the same level as the Latisses. In terms oh. of being everywhere and knowing the outcomes. Okay, so so she was the missing equation in the beginning when we first see the rowboat. And you're in there, and it's only the three of you, you and the two Latisse, and then... Elizabeth comes in and it kind of completes that scenario so it makes a little more sense 
at least that's what I got out of it from that moment because she see it seems like they're all interacting together at that point. I think they're there. They probably all understand kind of where this is all leading, which is the death of Comstock for good. Mm -hmm. And so they have to lead you back through this. So you will understand the decision that you have to make. Right. Yeah. So they're taking you through this whole thing and reminding you of, of everything that really transpired because eventually you lead right back to the baptism scene again, right? Right. But do you notice back at the second time when you come back to the baptismal that the Elizabeth that's in the baptismal with you is not the same Elizabeth you've been with the whole time? Because she does not have the necklace on. Oh, I missed that yeah, one. Yeah, me too. Yeah, if you look, the one that's the one that opens the door for you and you've been with the whole time, even through the end, has the necklace. And when you go through that last door into that last baptismal, the one that's there is not. She does not have the necklace on. So she's from another reality. Hmm. And then they all start appearing, right? Right. Yeah. Right. You you start seeing all the different possibilities from all the different reality, all the different universes or realities. Right. But none of them are the Elizabeth that you've been with, because again, none of them have the necklace. And I right. and I think to me that was the whole point of the necklace bit is to differentiate her from all the other ones at the end. Apparently, because it she's... didn't work because two of the four of us didn't pick up on that at least. Because the one that you've been with forever opened that final door, mm -hmm. but she didn't go right. in with you. Well, that, that I, I, I definitely remember seeing the necklaces. I guess I just assumed that the ones with the necklaces were ones that I had, you know, been through this experience with, and the other ones were from other universes, but I just didn't, you know, notice it beyond that. Well, you were with the same Elizabeth all the way until that very last scene where you go in that last lighthouse... And you see the other ones. Not necessarily, because the you get separated from Elizabeth uh, when when she's picked up by Songbird, and that's long after you give her the necklace. So, and you have to jump through numerous portals in order to save her from the scientists at uh, at some point, because they're experimenting on her, and it's creating these portal cracks in the the middle of the uh, the that asylum if you will so you're jumping through these portal holes it could very well be that the one who's guiding you through the lighthouses isn't the same elizabeth that you started with because technically it isn't because it's her six months later and i think it's the same one that's in your timeline because it she has the necklace you chose in that timeline the necklace exists in multiple timelines yeah, if there could, are only two choices. Here's the thing. None of the other Elizabeths you see in that scene at the end has a necklace. I think that's an assumption, though. I don't think that's provable either way. Well, to me, that's the way I kept track of this. Is When I went back and looked at it, that this was always the same contiguous Elizabeth that I was with that knew all of the experiences from the reality that we shared throughout the game. But the Elizabeths that are there at the last scene are all from alternate realities. 
Well, maybe so. And now, isn't there one Elizabeth that's left remaining after all the others <laughs> vanish right when they go blank, when the screen goes blank? We right. don't see okay. the last the, the, one disappear. Right. The, okay. Right. The screen goes blank on the original, on, you know, your version of Elizabeth. That's okay. what I was no. always assuming, too. No, let's go. Let's go through it for a minute. All right. So that's when the reality hits because he even says it. He, he's Comstock. Right. And yeah. that's when it comes together and you realize. And the whole baptismal thing. OK. Booker didn't choose baptism. Comstock chose baptism and came out and decided to be a new man, which was Comstock. Right. So the only way to get rid of Comstock is to drown him during the baptism. Well, yes, is yeah, is is to make is so so to make sure the baptismal choice is never made. Well, it is, but it so just doesn't it, survive it, right? Right. Well, no. So the so the choice of okay, it's not get baptized or not get baptized. It is drown me. Mm-hmm. So the choice doesn't get made. Okay. Now I'm going to pick that apart, and I'm going to say the wa- the baptismal choice is just a drowning. Okay, but let's kind of wrap it up, and then we'll let's get into these odd questions and bits. All right, I've only so got um, five minutes, and I gotta head to work. Oh, crabby, you're gonna miss the end. I know. Um, all right, so anyway, drowned, dead, end credits, uh, and then at the end, right, you're back at the house, and you are going to check on your baby. Um, but again, like you right. said, all the all of them blink out, but the screen goes black before you see whether the last one blinks out or not. And it wasn't right. your original Elizabeth because you didn't have the necklace on. At least that's my <laughs> contention. And then again, you go to check up, but you never find out if if she's there or not, right? You don't know if this whole doggone thing is fixed or not because they don't really specifically tell you, yes, she's there. It's been fixed, right? Right. Okay, so that's the game, and now <laughs> into crazy things. So well, well, I guess, Krabby, if you got to leave... You, what about you? What do you get to say? What do you think? Or lingering bits, questions? I, I've obviously missed chunks here. Like, I didn't notice the necklace. I didn't realize that was when the Latices got together. You know, I, I got the Comstock Booker and the daughter connection there. Like, the really obvious stuff. But apparently I was missing a lot of subtleties. So what, at the very end, what do you think happened? Um... They eliminated uh, Comstock, obviously. So Booker had no one to pass his daughter to. Uh, beyond that, like, how are the Latices still around? Are they still around? I, I have. I'm. I'm really confused by the ending, honestly. Okay. Well, I guess that's the question at the end, right? Is He's back, and the roommate's going to go check on his daughter. Is she there or not, right? I would think she is, I would assume. That would be my assumption. Okay. Any other things? I know you're going to have to take off. Is there anything else that's there? Because I'm going to get into some odd stuff. <laughs> and I'm sorry you're going to miss it, right? I'm, I'm a little it. sorry, too. Ugh. That... Ugh. Sorry we talked so long about the story itself. I blame it on Bill. Stop liking it so much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right, well, maybe we can get some of this in for you right walk out the door or something. Um, all right, so, Bill, when the drowning happens, who gets drowned? Mm-hmm. 
uh, uh, Booker gets drowned. Okay. Gamer sense. When the drowning happens, who gets drowned? Say <sighs> Elizabeth. That's a. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so. Oh, oh, are you asking me, like, so are you saying who in every timeline gets drowned? Yes. See, so from, so, and this is, so this is where I kind of diverge a little bit. Just because someone dies in one timeline, it doesn't mean necessarily mean it's going to affect others. So just like the weapons dealer in the Fink area was dead in one, but then you went through another tear and he's alive in another. So when Booker, you know, goes like, I don't know, did they, if they went back in time and changed that, or if this is just a new version that's severing further, but those other versions still exist. Well, I think well, the reason they're doing that is because they kind of tell you that they have to end this once and for all, period. I, I so Comstock that can never the Elizabeths exist. were going through every timeline and cleansing all the bookers. Or going yeah, back, they, I think they're going back to the origin point of any possible Comstock. Exactly. That that's that's the point that they're getting to. Is they they even say they that of all possible outcomes it all leads to this point this is the creation point so they have to eliminate comstock at all options at all avenues and as long as there's a booker there's the possibility for a comstock which makes you wonder at the very end of the game after the credits where you see booker get up from his his desk and he hears or just the sake that he's there. Is this Booker, as we know him, the one who's the the war hero or the war, you know, the tragic hero from the from that one war? Or is he someone who didn't even go off to war and still had Elizabeth, or excuse me, still had Anna? You know, is is that something we're seeing there? You know, that that's the one idea which leads me off into this crazy tangent that has to do with the DLC that's coming <laughs> up, but I don't know if I want to get into that now. <laughs> All right. Sorry guys, I really gotta take off. It's been one it's been great, Krabby. I'm yeah. sorry you gotta run. Sorry I have to yeah. miss the end here. Uh, it's nice chatting uh, gamer sense. Yeah, it's good to meet you there, Krabby. As well. So my theory behind this is that only all the possible Comstocks were drowned, but all of the Bookers were not. And here's why I think that. Because the only ones that ever chose the baptismal were the Comstocks. Right. And so by drowning the one that's getting the baptism... But not drowning the ones who turned and walked away from exactly. it. Exactly. Who then could then go on to become Booker? Now, now, uh, so Elizabeth uh, was born after that that scene and all the realities, right? Yes. Well, for all the Booker realities, because she was never born in any of the right. Comstock realities. Right. But here's so, the thing: why why are they drowning Booker? Because Booker has already made this decision twice. He's made it twice. Bef- once before the game starts, uh, second time after 
the rev after the whole battle and the the meaty content of the game happens he's taken back to this he's like oh i know this place and then he realizes nope wait i don't want to do this and he leaves and they book it through another doorway into another timeline and now they're back here again if if he is potentially a comstock that's why he has to be drowned it's because he exists altogether i think it's they take him back to the exact same moment in time and but why would he he'd already made the decision twice to choose i know but there's also the flip side, right? The flip side is the one that decides to get the baptism. And to make sure that that never unfolds, if he voluntarily takes the baptism and drowns, well, voluntary take, voluntarily taking the baptism is becoming Comstock. And so once he goes into the water, that's the version that can become Comstock and is killed, so he never gets a chance to come out. So why doesn't he just say, look, I'm Booker, you're my daughter, I'm not going to take the baptism and then just walk away? Why can't he? Because the... he understands the only way to get rid of all the possible Comstocks is to drown the genesis of Comstock. Which is Booker. Which is the decision to take the baptismal. But he... Decide, but uh, that doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. It's because he's are he's already decided twice to not take the baptismal. He's run away from it twice. Right, but just, it's not just like every Booker. So, but these are not different opportunities. They're always going back to the very same choice. So you're saying that only the Bookers that were presented with the choice are the ones being drowned. That's it. Yeah, you're always going back to that point. Right, where Booker has to make the choice. Yes. And you come back to it each time, and you know at that point that the Bookers that did not get baptized stayed Booker. The yes. Bookers that went under the water and took the baptism become Comstocks. So if you take the baptism, which you have to do, right? You have to agree to it. Mm-hmm. So if you take the baptism, you are the future Comstock. Mm-hmm. But this but now, Booker chose not to, the one we've been playing the whole time, he's been choosing not to choose, be, not to right, be him. Because he was Booker. But when, but he never becomes Comstock. But he would if he got the baptism. I guess I'm a little confused on, uh, on the the idea that, he, that you, you're, you're creating that whole idea where, yeah, we would have to kill him because he's... He could take the, the the baptism. This Booker that we've been playing as, once denied being baptized and then did so again, and the only time he allowed the baptism to happen was when he had to die. But that was when Comstock because he had re- to die. right when Comstock had to die. But he realized that the only way for Comstock not to happen is for to Booker stop being. I that's see, I, that's. That's where, he, that's where I got it. That's what I got out of it. And see, I, I look at it where as long as Booker says no, he's Booker. As True, soon as the, Booker says yes, he's Comstock. See, and, and, and that, hmm. I'm, I'm just thinking that you're right in a sense that this moment is the one that we have to destroy all Comstocks. Yes. But... The only way to ensure that all Comstocks don't happen is that at this moment, Booker and Comstock stop being. 
both well, because we moment, can't have that potential happen ever again. Right, but at the moment, the moment where Comstock and Booker diverge is the choice of whether to take the baptism or not, right? The choice. Right. And as long as you run away from the baptism, you stay Booker. But at that last thing, you accept the baptism. So as soon as you accept it, now you are the Comstock variant, right? Exactly, right. And he, then you get drowned. So the Comstocks get drowned. But this Booker has been fighting against Comstock the whole time. He, There was no point when he wanted to become Comstock or to redeem himself through a religious means. And so I, I guess I'm missing your point in how this relates to our Comstock in this or excuse me our booker in this timeline because he never once gives a hint that he wants to become comstock the only time he ever quote unquote takes the baptism is when he know when he goes well i have to die in order to have comstock stop but that only makes sense if it, if he were to be needing to die just because all bookers and comstocks need to die at this moment because this moment here is where all those possibilities diverge from you know if this moment stops the timeline because there's no comstock there's no booker there's no outcomes from here then we won't have to worry about anything out of either of these two guys so we kill booker in this moment before he can become comstock or to become booker to give away the child to comstock that kind of thing it's just stop the timeline here and all I... possible avenues end I think the thing that goes around that a little bit, because remember there's part where you're leading up to this, and he says, you know what, fine, I'm just going to do it. I'll just go back. Can we just go back to when he was like a baby and I'll murder him in his crib? Right? Right. At that point, he doesn't understand that he's himself okay, is but Comstock. If all we have to do is kill off Booker to fix things, why can't you just go back to Booker's crib and kill him? Because it's that fixed point in time that is the birth of Comstock. Right. So every reality in which Booker exists is fine. Comstock does not exist. Every reality where he takes the baptism, Comstock exists, but Booker does not exist. So if you leave all the Bookers, everything is fine after the baptism. And just eliminate all the realities in which he took do you the think baptism. That, do you think that Elizabeth... Uh, because the reason, the way Elizabeth is able to go to all these realities is because her powers have now been opened back up. She's not being limited anymore. So remember the like when you see the two examples of like Booker's like, no, nah, I'm not doing this baptism thing, and he walks away like before he's even in the water. But then when he goes into the water, then then that happens. So do you think that she is kind of monitoring all of the the possibilities here? So in every instance where he walks away, she's like, all right, he's good, and he walks away. But every instance where he goes into the water. That's when he's she's uh, drowning him. I think obviously all of these Elizabeths come in from all these other realities to basically be like, hey, look, these are all the eventualities where a Comstock existed. And we had to go right. through all of this, just like the other ones you saw walking when you came out of that lighthouse. And there was another Elizabeth and another Booker, right? Right. So again, all of the existences with Comstocks, they want to get rid of him. They're like, we can't have Comstock anymore, right? Yeah. And that's why when they drown, 
the future Comstock, they disappear. But the Elizabeths that were born of Booker would live, right? I I think that... uh, uh... I think that it's going to be that uh, they that uh, that Levine left the ending a little ambiguous for a reason. I think he, he you know, encourages all, all the debate. Uh, and I think that we're going to see we're going to we're going to see a lot more. You know, obviously, we already know that Booker and uh, Elizabeth are, are in the DLC. But um, you also don't know, like, exactly what the time frame is besides the fact that it's rapture before things go downhill. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see which direction it goes. But uh um, it's to me, it's it's a little bit like the ending to Inception, where the uh, totem starts to wobble and then it goes black. Mm. Right. But, st- um, st- but I see, didn't that's... see oh, the end of that. You spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Well, it is a spoiler cast. Didn't um, realize it was a blanket spoiler cast. <laughs> We're gonna spoil everything. Uh, they they uh, they shoot old Yeller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But I, uh, the whole point to me, why I think that's the reality, is because at the end, Booker's still around, and he goes to check on his daughter, right? Right. So, I mean, again, the Bookers survived to have a daughter. The Comstocks did right. not. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't explain it, you know, 100% because I'm not that smart, but it's it's my thinking that, that the whole point of doing what they did was just to go to the spot where Comstock, where like the Com, where like that divergence in choice could create a Comstock. So, um, and and also, so I guess by by extension that that would mean that Columbia couldn't exist either because Comstock was kind of the, the the father of that as well. Well, right, yeah, because Latisse's like, but yeah, Comstock was the one that made that happen. I think the Latisse is at this point because of what happened to them. They're just a part of the fabric of reality if you will they're just kind of there at this point i i agree i agree i I think i don't think there's any kind of getting away from the presence of them in whatever reality you're in right um okay so we've kind of tackled uh that for a minute um so then the the rapture thing right there's always okay. there's always a lighthouse. There's always a man. There's always a city. Mm-hmm. Is Booker not only Comstock, but is he also an eventuality that leads to Andrew Ryan? Um, I think that they're definitely related. I don't know if you could definitely point a finger and say, okay, Booker was born, was and not necessarily baptized, but Booker was born, made a divergent choice, like became Andrew Ryan. I don't know if it's that cut and dry, um, but the the one of the crazy conspiracy theories I was referring to is a friend of mine said to me the same thing, like right after I beat the game. And I said, I don't know, like that just seems like kind of out there. And then she sent me an article that talks about the bathyspheres. And uh, the bathyspheres were programmed uh, to only allow Andrew Ryan and his, you know, approved people, close relatives, inner circle, all that genetic, stuff. Genetic, right? Because um, it was genetically right. coded. Right, genetically coded. And but one of the things in the uh, in one of the audio diaries that you pick up, it says, you know, since things were kind of on the fritz and, and it wasn't, you know, working perfectly, anybody closely, you know, sisters, cousins, like anybody with like a little bit of a connection, it'll work for. So the fact that when you, you know, kind of go into the rapture tear and get in the bathysphere and as Booker can operate it 
it does lend a little bit of uh, cred or uh, uh, credibility to the fact that he's at least in some way related. Um, I don't know if it's same person, alternate reality, but you know, there's definitely a relation. Chiming in, gamer sound. I I don't. I'm trying to process that because I'm I'm trying to remember if he's the one who pulled the lever to activate he, the bathysphere. He is. He is he, the one. Okay. You you have to hit the button to do it. She's just no. sitting in the bathysphere. Yeah, she'll she'll and and it's almost it's uh she'll stand there forever because I was I was wondering if uh, what would happen there. So I just I just was looking around a whole lot and then I finally got in. I didn't know if it was going to take over on its own, but you you had to pull that lever yourself. Um, so I, I'm actually kind of on a, on the fence about this one. Like I don't really need for every single piece of everything to fit together like that so you know it's it, it to me it's almost like i wouldn't want it to be all the same thing just different like that but at the same time you know th there's enough of a connection there where there it there's at least some sort of connection between the two of them whether it's you know through a different reality or whether it's you know I, i'm i'm really hoping that that's what they're going to ex uh, explore further in the uh in the two major dlcs coming out next year lost at sea sounds like it's going to be just a, a an exploration of what happens to to the booker and the um the anna that are at the end of the credits of infinite because if you look at the trailer she says you can call me elizabeth or she he goes you got a name and she goes elizabeth you can call me elizabeth she never says my name is elizabeth because right. we know that booker's daughter is anna right and mm -hmm. maybe this is another one of those weird warps of some type or maybe ryan got involved somehow with booker and kind of hurt his memory or maybe we'll see the Lutices kind of pop up again because like we've pointed out they're this infinite entity of time and space at this point because of what happened to them maybe they could be involved in this as well and they're just messing with Booker once more to try to, to envelope every envelop everything into this situation I don't know I'm kind of reaching right now <laughs> right yeah, I feel like it's hard not to reach when you're really trying to tie up a lot of the a lot of the loose ends. Um, uh, I mean, one of, one of the big joys for me, even going back through, like trying to make sense of some of the endings, are are just how much is communicated in the Vox phones, uh, uh, especially on the second. I know I keep saying it, but especially on that second playthrough, like and and really really early Vox phones yeah. too, um, like a. Uh, uh, I didn't put it together the first time, but I remember just thinking, you know, I never like thinking like, oh, like Elizabeth has these powers to open up tears. Like, is she just the chosen one? Is she special? Like, and again, I don't need explanations for everything. Um, but one of the early Vox phones talks about it. Um, do you guys remember when uh, Rosalind, uh, it's it's a really early, it's not like it's on, if it's not on Monument Island, it's a really close to Monument Island. I think it actually might be right as you can see her but you haven't interacted with her yet and it's Rosalind talking about like what makes this girl different like what's the source of her power and she talks about like I think it has more to do with uh, with with uh, where she came from and she, she says a small part of her remains where she right. came from <laughs> right and then I started thinking oh my god Anger. there is a small part of her in another you know, universe, timeline, reality, whatever it is. And then she makes like a joke of it. She's like, it appears like this universe doesn't like it when things are like, you know, mixed up like that. 
And then I, I, I listened to that box phone like four or five more times. And I was like, they are talking about her yeah. finger in another reality. And it was, there's so many moments like that going back through. Yeah, because that's the one thing that gives her the power to do things because she functionally exists in two dimensions at the exact same time. Mm. Um, physically. So. Right. But I don't, I mean, you think about this setup for this next DLC and you go, okay, look, we have the same basic setup, right? Elizabeth and Booker against a big guy that's running this city, Ryan. Right. I, I'm I'm really excited to see uh, to be in in Rapture when everything is still going good. Yeah, yeah that's the biggest thing. That's my biggest allure is that's, not seeing yep. a post apocalyptic city or something like that. I want to yep. see something that's living and breathing the way that you know Cambria was a Columbia Cambria. Yeah, no, that, that yeah, no, seriously, it was it was one of my like I I really enjoyed Bioshock one, but I I remember walking through it thinking, oh god, like what what was this place like, you know? And I remember when Bioshock Infinite info started pouring out, and it was like, oh, it's still like a, it's still going, like every like nothing's fallen to crap yet. This is gonna be great. So being able to go back, excuse me, to Rapture in that same capacity is uh, honestly like I'm I'm glad Booker's back. I'm glad Elizabeth's back. But my just like you, uh, uh, the my biggest biggest excitement about this game is just being in rapture like while everything's going good right so all right any other because there's one other little crazy bit that i picked up from the internet that i want to talk about but any other divergent weird things to discuss i mean i mean we talked about the music and how you know there's this you know guy who's listening to it through tears and uh uh the one thing I didn't pick up on the first playthrough that I just noticed on the second when you go to like the record shop, mm-hmm. um, and it says, <laughs> "It says here tomorrow's music." Yeah, today. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't get that the first time. And the second time, I just laughed out loud, and uh, oh, it was great. Um, we talked about already, uh, you know, most of the the major story bits. So I guess uh, unless there's uh, you know kind of like a side thing that uh, we missed. Okay, here's this crazy wacky thing and there's even somebody that made like a youtube video so i would encourage you to look it up when you get a chance okay. all right so songbird right makes mm-hmm. makes this songbird screeching sound oh yeah you mentioned this a while ago yeah, uh-huh. yeah and we know songbird is some kind of man machine hybrid because you see the plans for songbird in part of the game right mm-hmm this is the part where either somebody's a genius or it's just the weirdest happenstance. You can okay. go watch this in the video uh, that somebody's put on YouTube. If you go back to the very first Bioshock, mm-hmm. and I don't remember the guy's name, but you remember the guy that um, was like killing the people to make them like living art, right? Yes, that was Sander yes. Cohen. Okay. Yeah. There's a part of that where there's a guy that's playing a piano and he's admonishing him about playing this piano or whatnot and he is he's trying to play and and when you walk in the room and eventually when you get close enough to him like he kills him he sets him on fire or something and he dies but the guy that's and i don't remember the name of the guy for the story because it's not super consequential i mean you find out about because you have to take the photos right when they die you take their photos and that's what he wants right um but the guy playing the piano has a bird mask 
And if you listen in that room, in the background, you hear the exact same sound as the songbird screeching. Okay. Isn't there also the same same thing that uh, you... Another thing along the same lines that you hear songbirds cry of death when you're first making your way into Rapture or something like that. Someone had made that that reference as well. I don't know about that, but I mean, if you go and watch this video, you they amp up the volume and you can hear it. And it's the exact same sound. So they're saying, is this guy in that room the alternate dimension version of the guy that became Songbird? Hmm. Because he's wearing the bird mask. It's in the same room, yeah. the same sounds. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go back and watch it. I never... You know, I, yeah, how never, would you? I, I don't even know how on yeah. earth they figured this out. Period, right? Somebody played it and went back to play the first one and for some fluke pick that up. So do you think the guy's genius enough to have done that or do you think this is just some crazy fluke? Uh, I definitely think Levine is genius. Uh, I you know it's it's really be it's it's uh I really hate to keep bringing up other things as as examples but uh uh one of the things that I uh uh, I was a really big Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 fan. I know a lot of people like 3, say it's the best in the series. I didn't like it, um, and I, I didn't play much of 4. But, uh, spoiler alert, there's a part in 4 where you go back to the setting of 1, and as you're walking through the setting of it actually does a really cool thing. Like, it, it the game engine switches over to, like, PlayStation 1. So you're actually playing, like, the actual yeah, PlayStation 1 version. Flashback stuff, um, yeah. Right, right. Okay, so... um. And uh, there were, and then as you walk certain places, it would kind of play like audio from the first game. And I remember so many people thinking, "This is, this is four games ago, you know, three or four games ago," and all of the things that were in one fit perfectly into like this complex story that he's telling in four. Um, is it totally possible that he knew from the beginning? Uh, I guess it is. Um, it's, I mean, that's really you know something you can only only really guess. He either knew it from the beginning or he really brilliantly uh, uh you know figured out a way to make it fit yeah because i mean hmm. you look at kojima was looking backwards right i mean to get this to work right. you'd almost have to think levine had this would have to have had this planned in the first right. game have to have the exactly yeah like had the first part figured out and then okay now we got to go back right um hmm. and to me when i when you watch that video and you kind of go through it, it just just blew my mind i'm like they're just there can't be any way. <laughs> you know what I mean? There just can't be any way that he planned all this perfectly like that. That's just too crazy. You know what I mean? How would you know you could even get there, right? You would even your game would be that successful that you could get there. Well, maybe it's just more the idea of he he wants little homages to his past work and he he's just so involved with it. That he goes, you know what? I can make this small, subtle, sm subtle addition here. You know, I made this in Bioshock, and let's see where I can make little homages. Ah, right here, the guy with the bird mask. I want to have this giant songbird. Oh, let's do a little touch here. I, I don't think it was this grand scheme plan, but I think it was things that he brilliantly worked into it to make it kind of flow better so people aren't going 
this isn't Bioshock. Bioshock's supposed to be in Rapture or it's under <laughs> the sea or, you know, he's going, look, it is. It's connected. See? You know, yeah. That, that's just me personally. Well, that's what makes me think, okay, I mean, Rapture is just an alternate version of Columbia. It's just a different skew of the timeline because, again, it's always a lighthouse. There's always a man. There's always a city. And to me, the always a man is the Comstock, is the Ryan, you know what I mean? Or is mm-hmm. the Booker. And, but but here's the thing. I, I don't think necessarily that there's always a city, always lighthouse, always a man means that that city, lighthouse, and man are the same thing. It's just like any – it just – there, there, you know, there's always this, like, it's it's kind of like, a, man, I am just the comparison guy today. Uh, like, the beginning of every Fallout game, it always starts with the same line. It doesn't mean that, you know, like, the, you know, New Vegas is the same as DC. It's just, you know, like, war never changes. So, it's, you know, it's actually very similar. So, you know, like, it, the Bioshock universe never changes. There's always a city, always a man, always a lighthouse. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think that they're necessarily the same in everything, um, but I think it's just uh, they're trying to say that this is this is a pattern that's going to repeat no matter where you are. Yeah, I don't know, because to me, when she reveals that is kind of during that whole part where she's coming to the realization of how everything is put together. Right. So it makes me kind of, hmm, <laughs> which is cool. I mean, this really was, like, again, very thought provoking through the whole thing <laughs> to step back and just kind of go. Wow, yeah, I mean, all that really came together. Well, it just shows the incredible passion that a lot of more modern developers have for their craft to not just go, well, I'm working on a new project. Ah, it has the name Bioshock, so it's Bioshock. It's the, I'm going to make it so that it all fits together. Maybe not directly, but, you know, it, it, it's part of the same universe, if you will, and people will people will respect it, even if it is those subtle nods where they have to find these things from a previous game and how oh my god this could be the other thing in the past but it's a cool idea to be able to think that because a developer took the time to craft something with that much detail you know that that shows incredible passion and why i greatly appreciate games like bioshock infinite and you know guys like ken levine and irrational games yeah pretty amazing stuff well, good. Well, is there any other? Do we, I think, did we kind of tied a nice bow around it, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, we didn't even talk about the uh, the public reaction in terms of like the topics. You know, like all the hate stuff they started to get. Like you're hating on white people. You're hating on yeah. these religious folks, and you're hating on the Tea Party people. You know, this, that, and the yeah. other thing. Holy crap! That's an I remember, yeah, I remember seeing some, you know, like not, I don't say outrage, but like some, some, you know, backlash with uh, some of those things. I don't remember it lasting more than a day or two, though. No. Well, a lot of it was nothing more than weapons of mass distraction to kind of yeah. keep people from paying attention to what was going on, which was the, the repetitious story of Booker and Comstock. So. I think he made a great job creating that veil and pulling the wool over our eyes, if you will. Well, I I think in these series of games, the stories he tries to tell is always about how these extremes are lead to this terrible path, right? Whatever these extremes are. I mean, you look at the first Bioshock, and it was libertarianism taken to the utmost extreme, right to this catastrophic end 
And then you look at Bioshock Infinite, and it's this conservatism taken to this ultimate ugly end. Um, but either end is ugly, right? And ends in ruin. Yeah, it's it's this idea of this is how things can turn out with zealotry. You know, if you're whether you're religiously zealotous or if you're politically zealotous, uh, any society you create can always end up in a negative. There's no such thing as a perfect society because something's going to give. And that's, I guess, his commentary on the whole thing. But the the one thing that was... Everybody's got a bone to pick when it comes to Bioshock in terms of things to critique. You know, the racism, the pol- the politics, and the religion, that kind of thing. Is the, They had their choices, and Ken Levine had put it as a Rorschach test for the negative you wanted to find somebody's going to see it in a different way or see something that's wrong with it and that's what he he loved about the game that he created and the 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 public backlash if you will if there wasn't if there was some you know well and i think that's it he doesn't he doesn't dance around a topic and he's not afraid to touch a couple nerves right um he's saying hey look you know i i'm Yes, this is an extreme thing, but these things are still around. You know, racism is still around, and um, uh, and zealotry, as you said, that's still around. And also, like, I mean, like you're—he's telling a story. This is the way things happen in this story. I—I I just don't understand how someone can look at that and say that it's one thing or that, like, yeah, like, well, that's racist. Well, yeah, there are racist characters in this story. There are racist factions. Right, but I don't think he's a racist. He did it actually in the opposite, right? To draw attention to these evils. Yeah. Right? I mean... I I, I just think there are some... I mean, there there are a lot... Not some. There are lots of people who they see something that, you know, they don't like or agree with, and they want to blame someone. They want to yell at someone. They want to put a sign up and say, I'm against this. Okay, I mean, yeah. I mean, we're against it too. Like, we're just telling a story here. Right. Mm -hmm. The, The story demonizes these things. Yeah, we're yep. against the exact same thing you are. It's just, you know, we're gonna we're, we're putting our own spotlight on it. It's not what you're used to. It's not a book that that shows mm-hmm. these evils. It's we happen to have put this into a game, and so you're experiencing the evil. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird because if you have if you have like a game movie, what I mean, there's not been any games about this, but you have a movie uh, like Lincoln that is all you know, pretty much. I mean, it's it's about Abraham Lincoln, but it's also about like you know passing this uh uh you know this piece of legislation that's going to effectively end slavery so slavery is in the subject matter but no one's upset about it because it's about ending slavery it's not you know like when slavery is just a thing that exists or like you know like racism when it's just a thing that exists within a story people are all crazy about it if the point of the story isn't to like you know fight it right and i think he even takes a really good turn at it because he doesn't try to glorify the other side. It's not. He doesn't make it some really paper thin story where the white people are evil and the people of ethnicity are wonderful, right? Because they're right. evil too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 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 there are and there are people who right exactly. So you have Daisy, and especially with Daisy, right. who's kind of the the leader of this faction, who you would never root for this person. And uh, uh, you have, uh, you know, and right at the beginning, like when you first escape, like, you know, into this Vox Populi kind of hideout right before you kind of go out for some more combat and you see them like, you know, making these flyers for equality. 
And it's like, okay, so it's not it's not this entire society, and it, it's just like any place else. You got, you know, the majority and the loudest people, and then you have the people that, uh, you know, that have to fight it uh, any way they can. Right. Yeah. You know, you met, you mentioned fighting. Uh, another thing that was kind of in controversy was the level of violence and how even people like Cliff Blazinski were saying, oh, the violence is too much and it's distracting from the overall story. Like this coming from the Gears of War developer, yeah. you know, <laughs> with the yeah, I, with I the get, chainsaw yeah. blade, right? I mean, I, I but I, I get his argument. How, like, like the chainsaw blade. I mean, it's like you know, big beefy nine hundred pound dudes in armor with chainsaw guns, like fighting aliens. Like, yeah, like the, the it, it, you know, he's saying it fits his theme better. Um, I, I don't. Yeah, I had there. There was no point. I mean, there's definitely some some moments of very very uh uh very massive amounts of violence um i never felt oddly enough i never felt like it was inappropriate to where the story was um but uh, i mean that's just me to me the only part that was ultra violent was the killings with the skyhook yeah yeah and i mean i mean i mean shooting people is violent and it is you know bloody but like it's not it's not brutal right. Like those skyhook, like you know, like like snapping someone's neck and having it limp on the end of your skyhook. All of those melee kills were super brutal. And I think they even tried to. But here's the thing: I think that at least makes it okay is that I don't think they did it in a way to glorify it. And as a matter of fact, you ever no. notice every time you did it, it made like that same sound you get like in a horror film when something horrible happens. Oh, yeah. Well, right. I also pointed this out in, in a blog post shortly after the game came out that Elizabeth, when she's your companion for a while, if you do something graphic with the skyhook, she will respond. She'll make a noise like, ugh, or oh my god, or something like that. She'll make a verbal, audio, audible mention of her disdain for that level of violence. Yeah. And I just thought that that was a really nice touch. And... Bill, earlier you uh, a lot earlier we were talking about that beginning part with the raffle and how you're suddenly thrust from this very happy-go-lucky kind of town that seems very peaceful into this world of violence. That that level of violence with the skyhook to the guy's face, uh, while very grandiose, was kind of this necessary shock to the system that we needed to see in order to take us away from the beauty of uh, Columbia and throw us into the chaos and darkness that is the behind the scenes nature of this utopian society, if you will. And yeah, I, I 100% agree. I just thought that that was such a brilliant thing because it, even for me, I've seen lots of violent movies, violent video games. And to me, even that shot right there was very striking. Mm -hmm. And it's because of where you came from, because, you know, in, in a game like Gears of War where you shoot it, like, it's not just when, you know, you're chainsawing people up, but like when you're shooting something, I mean, there's like, you know, blood splattering everywhere. You throw a grenade and like arms and legs are flying like you, you almost become a bit desensitized to it. And it's like if I asked you to tell me, OK, like explain in the third level of Gears of War, like what's the level look like? It's like, oh, I don't know, like it just looks dirty and everything's crumbling and walls are blown out. Like it doesn't like it has a personality, but it doesn't really have like just this aura about it. So when you first get to Columbia, he, they really tried to play on just your awe of this place for a good, you know, 15, 20 minutes, depending on how long you decided to walk around and 
kind of explore things before you really started to go. But I, I, I 100% agree. I think they needed to shock you back into this is why you're here. There's some nasty people who are gonna, uh, you know, who who are who you're working for now, who you know you don't even know who that who it is yet. Uh, and that kind of gets me thinking about the guy in the lighthouse too, like that 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 murdered guy with like, the bag over his head. Um, I, I I try my hardest not to look things up because I try to figure things out, but uh, I'm really gonna listen hard on this next playthrough to see if I hear anything about uh, what happened in the lighthouse before you get before you walk through. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I uh, just about that. I think again, they just in a lot of those other games. You know, you they make the that gory violence just like that. Oh yeah, you know it. It is. They kind of right. like, oh, we're gonna glorify this is awesome kind of. Yeah, Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Whereas in this game, again, like every time you did, I almost you did. You kind of felt like a little revulsion, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and right when it happens there, at, at that's you know, it it shocks you. And I remember like you know the look on your on, on not the on you know on your personal face, like you're just like oh. Yeah. So, so you you have this reaction to it, but then at the same time, I'm thinking, oh crap! Like they're all going to attack me. So it it did its job. Like it got me into a sense of like, okay, this is not a safe place. That was a an extremely disturbing thing to see. And uh, I, again, I said it before, but the music in that sequence, like a, a very like horror film psycho yeah. type of like shrieking uh, music happens. And so they're they're it's the opposite of what most games do when they glorify that violence. It's really trying to put you into a level of discomfort. Yeah. I think that's it. They make that so brutal to be more of like, uh, Oh, violence is ugly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Killing is ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's not, especially it's not when like it's up when close and 300. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Cause you're first person and it's with your bare hand. Well, not your bare hands, but it's, you know, within arms. Reach. Right. And I don't get any sense from it that you're, I never at any point did I go, yes, you know, like, I got him. <laughs> you would just always kind of go, oh, no, God. Uh, could you imagine that voiceover? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just. Booker like, <laughs> Yeah, no, and he never, yeah, he mm. never celebrates it either, obviously. But... No, not at all. It, it's it's all, you always feel like it's, it, it's a, like a duty with him. Like, this is what I've got to do to wipe this debt away. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, good, just. Just a real quick thought. I didn't even think about this before. Uh, the guy who's tied to the chair in the lighthouse, who's dead with the bag over his head, I would say check his hands the next time if you can. See if one of them has a ribbon on it, because I think that might actually be a Booker that failed. That's interesting, and because and you get the sign on him that says like "Don't let us down" or something, and yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I, I know it's a message. It's a message to Booker. I'm just trying, like next. So next time I walk through, like I, I just want to see like who it's a message from. Um, if uh, yeah, I'll, I'll check for a ribbon definitely, or, or a brand maybe. I think a brand would. Uh, see, I, I almost feel like that'd be too obvious, but you, you never know. It could be. Yeah. Well, it's it's such a dark area that maybe it's just barely there, and you would look at it and you go, "Is right. that a ribbon around his hand? Is that right. what? What is that?" But it, okay, I'll, yeah, I'll it's the only thing that could make sense that why would they have just a random dead person? Well, it sounds me, like it right. Would... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that was it. I was just going to rattle on. Um, <laughs> to me, I think what's happened is the Latices have cleared the path and set the story for Booker again. So they have to kind of solidify what's going on with his kind of scrambled brain. 
And so they put the note on the door, right? Here's the reminder. Mm -hmm. Remember, you're supposed to go get the girl to pay off the debt. Right. Because that Mm -hmm. ties back to something he does really already kind of know. And when he goes in, well, obviously these lighthouses or whatever would be manned by somebody. So they've gone in and killed the guy that was in there so he can get up there and get to the city. And they've posted these signs kind of like, hey, look, man, you know, they're going to come. They're coming after you. Right. right, So so kind of like something from uh, 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 Rosalind uh, to uh, and I guess Robert as well, just to kind of let him know, like the gravity of the situation, shock him into like, this is what what's going on. This is what you better prepare for. This is where you're going. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely possible, too. I mean, my first thought when I was going through there is that that guy was sent by someone to stop Booker because there's a note like on the desk around a mirror that says like, don't let him through or like be sure you stop him or something. Maybe like that. Comstock. So then, right, right. So so that's so I, my first thought was like, what if whoever wanted to stop you know you, which who, you know turns out being Comstock, sent you know like either told this guy to kill you or sent him to kill you, and the Lutesses took him out of the way. You know, to you know, to clear a path for you, like you said, and it could so, be because Comstock I, can see "quote unquote" the future, right? So he could see that you're coming. He knew it. Obviously, right. he told everybody about the false prophet and made the signs. Yep. yep. Exactly. So yeah, yep. he could have sent somebody there. Okay. Yeah. I'll, or if not sent him, like you said, like the lighthouse is manned by somebody, so he could have just reached out to that dude and uh, said, "Hey, need you to take care of this one." Right. Me. Yeah, I'd be kind of curious to. Uh, at some point in time, maybe play through more. it again, but <clears throat> so many games. Uh, believe it, believe it or not, I, yeah, I, I picked up a lot of games during the Steam sale, and like I had fun with it. I started a bunch of them; they're great. But I just find myself thinking, like you know, randomly throughout like my work day, like thinking about Bioshock. So I'm I'm just gonna go back to it and play it again while it's still fresh. Very good. All right, any other loose strands that we've missed? Nothing I can think probably. of. Probably. <laughs> well, I'm waiting for the listeners then. They're going to hear some stuff, and they're probably going to have um, – you, you folks out there are probably going to have some thoughts of your own. So uh, hopefully you've uh, enjoyed this little spoiler cast that we've done. You got some thoughts. Did we get it wrong? Did we totally miss something? Um, uh, let us know. You know, you can you can definitely get a hold of us. So let's kind of wrap up uh, like we normally do, talk a little about where you can find us. So first off with our guests, so GamerSense, how can people – find you where are you at out there well if uh, you want to get a hold of me best way is obviously through twitter uh at gamersense that's g-a-m-e-r-c-e-n-t-s you know like the coins uh i have a blog that i update periodically gamersense.blogspot.com and uh, you can find me on some varying social sites except facebook uh I also write for examiner.com for their local Rochester division. If you want to check out some of the news articles I post there, you can check me out at Colin D. Pazic on the rochesterexaminer.com website. All right. Well, we thank you very much for taking your time to come and sit in on this. It's been fun to kind of have another perspective. <laughs> well, I'm very grateful that you guys uh, asked me to come on board for this one. I was really excited for it. Good. Very good. And uh, Bill, you know, thanks. I mean, I know you kind of really got me set up really well for this because you kind of really were pushing me like, oh, this is going to be so good. You're really going to like this. And, you know, and I know you didn't want to spoil any of the story and any of that stuff. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that I, I finished. And uh, I'm of course, I'm never, you know, a spoiler person. So I just kind of went, you know, put my feelers out to everyone I talked to. And I said, 
I need to talk <laughs> to lots of people about this game. And, you know, a couple of my close friends have played it, so we've talked about it a bit. But uh, it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, there, there's so many... There's so many, you know, different, uh, uh, you know, opinions you get from talking to different people about it. So it's they're all interesting to me. And a, a lot of times I just get thinking about it in a different way. And then that just makes me more confused and I want to play it again. So uh, I'm all for this game. I mean, it like and we picked it apart a lot. And obviously it's 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 hard to call any game perfect. Um, this is this is about as good a game as I have played. And I just, this is the type of experience that I love. So I'm glad that uh, I got some other people to give it a try. Yeah, very good. Um, well, uh, you know, as usual, a couple different places you can find us. So um, rfgeneration.com, you can definitely come over there and leave us a few messages. Um, collectorcast.com, if you want to grab the show, you can download it there. <clears throat> you can also find us on iTunes. Um, <clears throat> where else, Bill? Uh, Twitter. Uh, Twitter.com, we're a collector cast. We finally got Krabby on the uh, Twitter uh, feed, so he's making posts there. He's uh, on our Facebook feed as well, which is uh, it's great having him on there. Um, we've got. Uh, uh, did you mention uh, podcast? I did, I did not yet? mention podcast pickle. Yeah, <laughs> that's the next one. Podcast pickle and YouTube, right? So um, yep. definitely check us out. We're in a lot of different places, and um, please comment. Um, if you like this, I mean, it's the first spoiler cast we've done. You want to hear more of this stuff, let us know, and um, maybe we'll uh, decide to dig into another game. And having said that, um, thanks a lot for taking time to listen, and um, catch us on the next show.